Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show is recorded on May the 21st, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the patient at the top of my caseload. Um, I feel bad about that, but caffeine rage. Uh, do, do I need to sit and talk about this? Do, do I need to lay down on the couch again? Yeah, you can lay down on the couch. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We're going to be discussing some waifu woes. There are two new Steam mobile apps. Boss Key Productions shuts down. Microsoft's new Xbox controller, which was designed for accessibility, has been revealed. We're going to be discussing the state of net neutrality following some news from this past week. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 will have no Steam release or single-player campaign favoring Battle Royale instead. The adventure game To the Moon is being adapted to an animated feature film. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Hello, Rach. And timestamps will be in the show notes. Oh yeah, I forgot. We didn't since we didn't record last week. I forgot. <laughs> Got out of my rhythm. I'm all I'm all messed up this week. So apologies to listeners out there. I hope you enjoyed a, a Franken episode. My internet went on the fritz last Tuesday and was out until partway through Wednesday. Um. So it went down Tuesday afternoon sometime. It was later in the afternoon. Um, and I, I called Charter Spectrum. It was like, something's going on with my internet. I'm getting like connectivity issues. And, uh, you know, I've done all the basic troubleshooting steps, but they follow a script. So I had to redo all the basic yeah, troubleshooting you steps. Yeah, the pages being turned in the background. Yeah. So, I, you know, turn it off and back on again. Did you try plugging directly into it? Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. So, wasn't working. They were like, well, we don't know what the problem is, but we don't have any problems on, on our end, so, so it must be luck, something buddy. with you. We'll schedule you a, a technician for tomorrow. We've got one available. And I was like, fine. We'll schedule a technician. And then, in the middle of the night, uh, they call me and wake me up. Like, it's an automated call. And we are just calling to inform you that there is a line down in your area that has been affecting service of some customers. We are working as hard as possible or whatever to get it fixed, to restore your services. And that would be annoying, but Wednesday was the first day that I started my new job at a new counseling clinic. So I'm I'm back to working yeah, for if, someone else. Yeah, and if I got woke up like that, I, I wouldn't be going back to sleep. I was pissed, but I did go back to sleep, thankfully. See, I just um, need to uh, sleep mad, which may be part of the uh, reason why I'm an insomniac. So yeah, I'm I'm all topsy turvy this week, adjusting to a new schedule. I mean, it's been fine. I like my new clinic. They they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Um, so horse's head and all, but it was a good offer. The clinic's a little bit farther away than I'd like, but the pay's really good. Get starting out uh, a bunch of vacation time. And health insurance, which is a big deal in the United States, for those of you who live not in the United States. Uh, don't worry, Trump's working on uh, making healthcare shitty for everyone, uh, price wise. Yay! But <laughs> what that so that was his big plan to make you know healthcare seem cheaper in the U.S. Have you seen that? <laughs> oh yeah. But anyway, so they good benefits, good pay, 
good vacation time. Worst part of it is the drive, but the drive's not that bad. I was comparing commutes with some of our listeners on uh, Star Wars RPG night, and I was like, okay, my commute's not that bad. I won't complain. So, but anyways, well, that started last week, so it? I was... Uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh... I have so, to go yeah, halfway was... across the galaxy every day. What are you complaining about? Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. But so I was all topsy-turvy last week, which is going to play into how many games I've played this week, which yeah, is a very small amount. I can, or we can break up yours in the middle. I only played one game this this week that wasn't Battletech, and Battletech is the Game Club game, so can't yeah, talk I, about I, it. I, yeah, I think somebody has a problem. I mean, I've played a lot of Battletech, and you're over twice my hours going on three times. Let's go check on Steam. Have I crossed the 200-hour threshold or not? Battletech. Battletech. 187 hours on record. You do realize there are other games, right? Not not for me right now. Um, part of the reason I... This last week that I... The only game I played was Battletech was just I was... I'm adjusting to a new sleep schedule. I've... Every job I've ever had has either been a, an evening afternoon type job which works well with my natural sleep schedule because i would sleep during the day and then go to work in the evening or i've been a hundred percent in charge of my own schedule so i would just always do stuff later in the day but on this one i have to get up like an adult really freaking early in the morning i get to come home as soon as i'm done like technically it's like a nine to five office job but i'm in charge of my own schedule and so i could leave early every day if i wanted to but as long as it, you know, works in with my schedule. But Yeah, I'm like that as well. My mother would have been a lot more worried about me if I didn't like Italian food. You know, all the garlic. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I'm having, to, I'm having to get up early. I've been tired and not really had the brain power to try new things. So this last week, I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just play Battletech. And I, I genuinely had every intention of playing other games this week. I got a couple on Key Mailer that looked really interesting, and you played one of them. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I saw that you had her, and it's like, oh, I'm probably going to be spoiling this. It's okay. But uh, I just I just was like, I don't have the brain power to start something new this week. And it's a good thing that RPG Night was canceled because uh, one of the players in my group was gone last week because Wednesday night I got home, and I just, like, crashed but anyways enough about me and more about well, you well that would be the gentlemanly me, uh, the, thing to the do the game that we uh uh well that we would have had in common i well, well i'm getting ahead of myself Let, let's talk let's go in order how about that let's start at the beginning sure also do you want me to we didn't yeah, exactly say yeah, do you want could, me to jump in like halfway through yeah, and do jump mine? in after the uh third game okay because that the works. first two aren't terribly long because they're failed uh, Sunday samplers because week before or last week I should say I didn't do the Sunday sampler just because um, it w- was an off week for me I was still readjusting after you know being uh, me being a day walker for uh, over two weeks which is horrendous for my recording time so you know I uh, was just not doing all that well so I did try a couple games and they didn't really click. One for one reason, this one for a different one, though. So let's start off with uh, the, one of the first ones uh, that 
that's on my list, Lake Redden. This is a, well, you'd, I want to call it a walking simulator, but it's, uh, you know, too puzzle-centric. It's more like a modern interpretation of the old Mist games, sort of, where okay. it's a very, very, very slow burn story. I played it for a couple of hours, and I have to admit that didn't really get a feel for what was going on. And this is um, you know, a fairly decently long uh, first-person adventure game. So, it's going to be something that, if you're playing it, would open up after probably about four or five hours. This has some performance issues. And it's not my usual performance issues where it's hitting my CPU too hard. It's actually hitting my GPU too hard. I have an RX 480. And this was pegging it. And getting barely 60 FPS with some uh, micro stutters. And this game, pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, the 480 is not like the most powerful card on the market, but it's in like that top tier performance bracket. Yeah. So. And this game, while some of the screenshots are very pretty, does not warrant it running that heavily. I mean, you could see some of the screenshots where, you know, there's a lot of uh, jaggies where there's not running a, a, enough anti-aliasing and some rather muddy textures. It's a pretty game. It's a very atmospheric game, but it's not a game that should be running this heavily. Which is part of the reason why I didn't do it was that I wasn't sure if I'd be able to play it all that well. And it's a mist style adventure game where it's a lot of atmospheric puzzles. A lot of going through and instead of setting down and figuring out a puzzle logically, uh, you have to go around and look for the clues and fill them in in the puzzle. And maybe it's just where I didn't grow up with mist, but that was starting to get irritating after a while, particularly whenever they would hide things, you know, on the bottom shelf of a bookcase that is behind uh, one of the puzzles, uh, you had to move uh, a series of uh, tumblers uh, with different symbols. And a couple of the symbols were on these bookcases, and one was actually behind some books. And you had to stand in a very particular place and look down. And... It was at that point I realized this game is not for me <laughs> because I found it irritating, especially with all the little micro stutters and all the little graphical hitching. I just felt like it was going to be a unpleasant experience to play it a lot longer. That and also some of the puzzles were fucking irritating. There was one puzzle that kept repeating every time you uh, would hit a gate. It would have this sliding ring puzzle where you have to match up the uh, uh, the picture uh, on a series of rings that rotate around a central point. And the image isn't, as uh, isn't symmetrical, but it's very close to it. So if you're not paying extremely close attention, it's very easy to have the rings in the wrong orientation, and the rings have a very small margin of error, which I just found unspeakably frustrating after hitting that puzzle for the third fucking Tom. Yeah, I hate finicky puzzles. And it's also one of those that it feels like the game should have an in-game note system. There are There is a journal system, but it doesn't provide you with enough clues that you find. 
So you're either sitting there and uh, writing down uh, on paper, which I realize is very misstyle. But, yep, yeah, that's not the modern style. The modern style usually has some sort of way to take notes in-game. Right? For this type of game. I don't know, actually. Uh, the couple I've run into that's more modern interpretation, they they either have a lot better journal system. This one just didn't. It was very, very basic. Or they would have, like, a text editor where you could type in. And I just found it unspeakably frustrating. <laughs> but, yeah. But then again, I did not grow up with Mist. So if you absolutely love Mist, this may be a game for you. It just, it wasn't for me. And that's really kind of the reason why I didn't do it, is that I felt like I'd be unfair to the game. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and it I does. Could, and I wouldn't be able to show it in a decent enough light, even though I didn't really care for it. And there's a couple of puzzles that, you know, it's a little finicky. There's a couple that really don't make a lot of sense unless you are given the uh, actual, you know, clues from another player. Or there is a little bit of a clue system in the game, but sometimes it's a little finicky. You have to be in an area with the puzzle in order for the clues to go off. So if you wander off uh, too far, you could also hit that, uh, yeah, hit a, a dead area where the clues won't show up. And since this is a more atmospheric uh, puzzle uh, or uh, puzzler, you're going around trying to find the clues and, oh, you stumbled too far away. It's not going to give you hints anymore. So you have to go back and figure out where that invisible boundary is. But, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the style of game, well, here you go. Like, it probably wouldn't be a bad uh, pickup. It's uh, 20 bucks, though. So, uh, you know, a little outside of the impulse buy area. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of Mist either. Although Mist came out in what the early, the first Mist came out in the early nineties. I was a little kid. I didn't play Mist until get off my fucking lawn. Until later, and at that point, it was very dated game design. Yeah, and that's what I played Mist in the mid two thousand. I think that's what that. uh, What's probably getting uh, to me here is that the style of, uh, of puzzler or the style of adventure puzzler is very dated by now. Where you know. Oh, it's that aha, you know, uh, and not in the good sort of portal. Aha, I figured it out. It's more of, oh, you hit it there. Yeah. Granted, some of the puzzles, because they're atmospheric, and I use the term atmospheric puzzle as in, you know, you have to go around uh, and look at the environment and look for a particular symbol or figure out a certain a little sub puzzle to be able to figure out the big puzzle, that sort of thing. Some yeah. of them are, are actually uh, just brute forceable. Like one of the very first ones is uh, you have to get a uh, list of numbers out of a safe for another puzzle. Well, the way that you're supposed to do it is you pick up all the objects in the room and eventually you find hidden under one of the objects, uh, the combination of the safe by just, you know, uh, so many turns left, so many turns right, so many turns left. But the puzzle also will reset if you hit a incorrect answer. So I was able to brute force it by just going uh, left, left, left. Oh, okay, it reset. So two lefts, then right, 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 right. Oh, it reset. Okay, two left, three right, then go back to the left, and it's solved. 
And there's some puzzles that are like that where you just brute force them. And there's also this weird uh, system where whenever you pick up something, you're able to rotate it in your face. Uh, very like how they do with uh, Skyrim. But yeah. in the few hours I spent with this, they never really made use of it outside of just showing how fucking low poly some of the models are. <laughs> you know, pick up a cup and you know you can see the polygon uh, points on it where it's not quite round enough. Or some of the texture work that's a little too muddy to be shown up uh, close like that. Yeah. So maybe that will come into play later, but uh, as far as I went, it just you know, wasn't important and felt kind of tacked on, or maybe it was a uh, thing for the engine that they just never uh, removed, or maybe it'll be useful later on for another puzzle, but uh, for as far as I played, it wasn't. I'll try to just... And I got a little bit of a slower there. Outside of just, uh, yeah, showing that you know, the game should not be running this poorly. <laughs> they need yeah. an optimization pass, big time. Or maybe Sounds it just like didn't it. like my system, which is also a possibility because you know PC does some weird, sh- uh, weird shit at times. Uh, Indeed. Speaking of weird shit, let's go to deep space, the uh, space platformer. Deep Space. Okay. This is a roguelite procedurally generated platformer, and this is the side of pla- of uh, roguelite that I ap- actively dislike, where it's those uh, gotcha moments, once again, where there's no way to really predict how to deal with a particular enemy until it's killed you several times, and you have to restart, get to that port again, and then kill it to progress on. And that's what this was doing here, was every time you know, a new enemy showed up, it would either do a lot of damage to me, or just kill me outright, because I wasn't prepared for it. And the and the way the game is handled, with a lot of traps, a lot of uh, enemies just charging at you, and the uh, style of weapon that you have, it's a sort of a run-and-gun, old-school, metal uh, slug style uh, shooter or I guess nowadays we would call it cuphead style you know running gun with actually health here well, more health though but because of the enemies be able to dodge and uh, just drop from the uh, ceiling and spikes uh, shooting up from the floor instant kill uh, barriers uh, especially instant kill barriers where enemies will jump over your shot to uh, sh- uh, to kill them and dunk you into the instant kill barrier it irritated me <laughs> Like I said, it's not the good side of roguelite that I like. Uh, there's a difference between hard and hard but fair. And this felt just hard. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And, well, if you're a fan of just, yo, know, brutally unfair platformers, uh, almost, I want to be a... I want to be the guy-esque where it will fuck you over and you have to just learn through pattern recognition. Then this is the one for you, but I quickly dropped this. For good reason, obviously. So, any questions? Nope. Doesn't look like I would like it at all. (laughs) So, let's move on to something I think you would like. Uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. I actually completed my series on this so I could give some more thoughts on the game. All right. 
Uh, my, I think my biggest beef with this game, maybe it's just uh, the fact that I didn't sit and talk to everyone because there are sections of the game where you go back to town and everyone has a speech bubble, as in everyone in the uh, town. Nice. Where it felt like the ending just really came out of nowhere. And it at first I thought I was coming up to the ending, then it threw, okay, you gotta go do this now. Well, all right. And did that, and then all of a sudden, oh, okay, here's the ending instead. It just felt unspeakably sudden, and I I don't want to spoil what exactly happens, because I think it would be more interesting to have it happen to you. But it... it, I'm going to use the term Halo 2 Syndrome, where, you know, it it felt like there was supposed to be more, but it was just dropped. Sequel bait? Uh... Technically not because of the way the uh, uh, the series is. Because this is actually the middle uh, game in three games. Even though it's the third released. Because this technically happens before uh, SteamWorld Heist. Which has been out for a couple of years now. So this is more a uh, prequel bait. <laughs> sort of, you know? So it's like Borderlands the pre-sequel. Uh, sort of. Okay. Where this was designed to sort of fill in the gap between the original game and the game that kind of deviated from the uh, genre. Which, it's not a... It's, don't get me wrong, this is not a bad game. I actually really enjoyed this. And part of the reason is... Well, the same reason why I like uh, uh, Torchlight 2 over the original Torchlight is that they diversified. They added a lot more. You're not going through the same environment, just digging deeper, deeper, and deeper like Torchlight. You'd go down through the uh, this one dungeon. In this, you have side areas. You go off and do other things. It's a true Metroidvania where you're going back to previous areas, uh, even in the story itself, going to previous areas and unlocking secrets there by just having new powers or new abilities. So I really like that in this. It's just, you know, it felt like it came to a sudden stop. Okay. Speaking that, uh, of sudden stops. That makes sense. I mean, I, I've liked the look of the Steam World games. They look like they'd be something I have potential to enjoy. I mean, you do like your digging. I'm not like the biggest digging. fan of... Do what? You do like your digging and uh, mining. And that's what I a lot do. of this game is. It's... Sort of a build-your-own uh, Metroidvania, almost, where as you're digging down, you're uh, creating the level to go back through if you have to return. Grand, this one is a lot more liberal with its teleporters, and it doesn't have as much in the way of uh, consumables as the first game, because in the first game, you can actually screw yourself over if you're too liberal with using the consumables, because there's a limited amount of uh, resources that you could dig up. So you want to yep. be able to get all the uh, power-ups and everything. And this, it's not quite like that. You are able to get it to the point where you're able to generate money just by killing enemies. And also, it's a lot easier to get to the point where certain mechanics don't matter. Particularly uh, the light mechanic. As you uh, dig down, you uh, light an oil lamp. And it burns as a timer. And once it goes out, well, you can still progress, but you are unable to see very far. And this, after you get a certain power-up, it stops at the 50% mark. 
So it becomes essentially infinite because it's around the 50-ish percent mark where it starts dramatically shrinking your vision radius. And that may be a detriment to some people where it has a lot of a, of mechanics in it to just make you go back and sell occasionally, but you're able to disable them or get around them through various power-ups. But I didn't have a problem with that. And this is also a lot more diverse in its power-ups and also it's just general mechanics. So that definitely is a, a plus in my book. It's just, it felt like they uh, just cut things off right at the end. Maybe it's just, I didn't talk to the right people, so I didn't get the clues of what was actually going on. Because I was recording this for a Let's Play, and frankly, sitting around for text bits is rather boring, or hearing me just chatter away about them. And there was a lot of sections where I was just skipping a lot of people having a lot of stuff to say. And not all of it very, being very important. Just, oh, well, you're uh, this uh, uh, girl bot from the first game. How's that old town doing? That sort of thing. Which is not terrible, but at the same time, you know, it kind of obfuscates the actual important bits of uh, dialogue, you know? Yeah. You know, that's got to be someone's fetish. Just sitting around listening to someone read dialogue. Um, it has to be. ASMR? Yeah. Fair play. It's a lot of people's fetish. Uh, granted, I'd be talking like this. Very breathy. Right? Indeed. Jared, stop Indeed. jerking off for a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Anyways, uh, but okay. I, I do suggest checking this out, uh, particularly if you're a fan of the first one, but thought it could do more. This is definitely worth checking out then. Or you just want to have a Metroidvania because frankly, Metroidvania is a very niche title or niche genre still. There are those out there, but there's a lot of bad Metroidvanias out there. Yeah. Alrighty. And this does lead into well, uh, Steam World Heist, which is a completely different genre, but it's sort of turn uh, uh, 2D platformer XCOM. Which I yeah. will be playing eventually. Awesome. Well, that was three, so that means it's my turn to do my one. Uh, and the only game I played this week that I can talk about is MechWarrior Online. This was a previous Game Club game. Um... And we've talked about it, I think, a couple of times outside of that as well. Yeah, particularly but, with the game, uh, with this month's game club. But it's been over a year since I played it, um, and also in that time, not only have things changed in the game, but I have a Hotas, whereas before I just had a joystick. I so, think they have an ointment for that. So I was doing part joystick, part keyboard, um, and I—I I mean, I've never ever played a game, a mech game, with a Hotas. So I wanted to see what that was like, and it feels really good, <laughs> really good. Um, it took me a little bit to get everything adjusted properly, um, because you have to get the dead zone just right on the the joystick for controlling the torso, because if you don't, it's really twitchy, and 
you can't hit anything. But after I fiddled with it for a little bit, I got wait, it all wait, sorted out. You were out. saying there with a the mech game uh, fiddling with your joystick. I was, yeah, I was, I was saying there with a the mech game fiddling my joystick, and uh, I was smacking the paddles. Can you hear that? Oh yeah. And then I was adjusting the throttle, adjusting. But that took some figuring out too, because they don't have. So what I like to do is I like to to use the throttle as a single direction, and then have a toggle to switch between forward and reverse. And they don't have that in MechWarrior Online. If you're using a throttle, you can do it with the keyboard, but you can't do it with the throttle because the there's the button there to do it. But it wasn't working with the throttle. So then I tried it with the keyboard and it worked with the keyboard. And you could just use tab to go between forward and reverse. I don't know why that is. That's really frustrating. And it took me a little bit of time to work out my throttle settings properly with the throttle part of my HOTAS. But once I got it worked out and got used to the controls again, just doing some uh, some of like the training mode or the testing mode. But that you can play around with your builds and not have to fight anybody. Uh, I played for several hours um, and thoroughly enjoyed myself. So they've added uh, the Solaris 7 game mode, which in um, the Battletech lore, Solaris 7 is the biggest, most popular gladiatorial arena for mech combat. Um, So they've added several new um, arena maps. The, from the Solaris planet. They've added a lot of new mechs since the last time I played, uh, specifically with several of the Solaris-specific mechs. Those are fun. Although they don't have the best ones, which fe- feature melee weapons, because there's no melee system in MechWarrior Online. If you like ram someone really fast, you can do some damage and knock them over, but you can't actually do melee combat, which sucks, because some of the best mechs from the Solaris circuit have got... Uh, like a mech flail, that's incredible. Uh, there's some swords and shields. Yeah, it for... kind of disappoints me that they don't have the melee weapons even in Battletech. They've talked about adding those. In one of their little blurbs, they wanted to add melee weapons, but they couldn't get the system working right for a release. So they only have... Which I don't understand. Just make it a weapon that only affects melee damage, but I'm not a game designer. Maybe they was, like, buggy or something. Technical but anyways, things. that's... Yeah, that's uh, dipping into next week's Game Club discussion. But anyways, um, MechWarrior Online is fun. And if... So they're also making MechWarrior 5. The same people are taking basically the MechWarrior Online system, all of it, and then just adding or dumping that into a new single-player MechWarrior combat game. And um, if they do a good job of it, it'll be a lot of fun. They've got... All of the systems down pat, jump jets, uh, armor shielding, using, you know, lighter mechs to get behind the bigger ones and take them down from behind. Oh, wow. They've got a lot well, of really like thorough like systems. That, they've got a lot of thorough systems that don't exist in the older mech warrior games, like being able to set up chain fire or setting up specific rules for your weapons so you can't accidentally overheat and blow yourself up. You can set rules now for... This didn't exist before, but you can set heat rules now. And if huh. your heat goes above a certain threshold, certain weapons won't fire. Um, like, for example, I don't know why, but I have a blackjack now in my mech bay mm-hmm. that I definitely had not purchased before. And it's a variant with two large lasers and 
two streak short range missile launchers on it, which I wish that variant was in Battletech. Because uh, it's a lot of fun to have a blackjack with missiles because it's a really jump heavy mech uh, or a jump focused mech. So you hop around and shoot missiles at people. But um, I discovered that it doesn't have a lot of heat capacity by default. And I was constantly overheating. And then I was like, oh, what's this? Heat rules. And you can um, set a, a weapon group so it won't fire when you get above a certain heat threshold. So I, at 90%, I set it where that the lasers wouldn't fire, the two large lasers. I bet that helped. It did. It did. So that's nice. But otherwise, not a lot's really changed other than just adding more stuff. There were a lot more mechs, a lot more mech variants of existing mechs. Um, there's some new weapon stuff, some new clan related stuff, and then they added the Solaris, but all of that's just sort of background story bits and do stuff for you to spend money on, uh, in the, the store. It's business model doesn't appear to have gotten any better. And that that was my big problem with it before. That was everyone's problem with it, but it was the only modern mech warrior game in existence for a long time well, it so still it was is like, for a while yeah it, it still is but there is at least with Battletech another game in the universe that people can play that isn't free to play bullshit and I'm really excited too for the future of Battletech this is maybe getting slightly towards game club discussion but I found out that they have a partnership Hey Rain Schemes the people who developed Battletech uh, with who is it that does Mac Warrior online? I can't remember their name all of a sudden. But regardless, whoever they are, they have a an agreement with them to use like their um some of the assets. The assets and tech that they've developed, like that whole system for how your mech uh, looks when you customize it in Battletech. Yeah. They they were able to get that as part of this partnership from the people who made MechWarrior online. Um and then mech assets, they got quite a few from them. They have to do some adjusting because there's a lot of differences in the, the fine details of the modeling, but they get the the meshes for the mechs. Yeah, well, I from think we them. just figured out why uh, Battletech has the performance issues. Mm. It may be just running too much under the hood from uh, uh, MechWarrior Online. Maybe. Although it doesn't make sense to me why that would be GPU issues. That seems more CPU, but. Hell, I don't know. I don't design games, so... Also, it depends tell you. on how they handle it uh, behind the scenes, but... Yeah. Yeah, so they, they've they borrowed or are, are able to use a lot of stuff that's already been u- or developed by the MechWare Online people. I think that was negotiated, actually, by the Battletech licensing deal. Um, but that was pretty cool. So I was also doing some research on, like, what potential mechs could show up in future expansions or dlcs or whatever because there are a lot of mechs that exist in the time period for battletech that aren't actually in the game i think somebody's obsessed i am i am i've always been fascinated with that universe i've combed through the entire wiki more than once and that was before battletech the battle just in case or i think everybody knows but when i say battletech i mean the, the pc game the PC recent PC release, but oh, I've been a huge be. fan of that universe. Right been a huge fan of that universe for oh fifteen years or so. 
So, I mean, it's one of those things. I love storytelling. I love lore. There's a massive amount of lore for the Battletech universe. It's great. It's big stompy mechs. Love it. I don't know if I'll play MechWarrior Online regularly. I mean, it's not a bad game, but the grind is just such a turnoff. The grind is annoying, and the min-maxing of other players is frustrating. It's like, I can't do anything fun, because everyone's using two or three builds, and it's like, well, if I make a build that's just, like, fun or interesting or fits in well with the universe, you'll get yelled at and murdered quickly. So, about the only thing that's enjoyable is to just go straight LRM boat the entire time, which I can do fine. I have several mechs set up for that, but that gets boring after a while. Yeah, hopefully uh, the single player in uh, MechWarrior 5, I believe it is, uh, will be uh, good enough that it won't hit some of the issues I've been having with Battletech. I hope so. I hope so. Although, I have some concerns based on some things that I've seen. Oh, really? Yeah, they're doing a lot of the procedural generation game. Uh, And there's been no reveals on the official story. I mean, done well, it could work. But the thing is that uh, procedural generation is all about the back end and how much effort they put into the engine. And, you know, it's a very easy thing to just be lazy on. That's why whenever I have a game idea that requires procedural generation, I always preface it with done well. Yeah. For for MechWarrior 5, unless they just recently released something I've missed, there hasn't been an update in five or six months. Uh, about the game like a public update but the stuff that they've shown has all been procedural and all of those missions have played out roughly the same just swapping out essentially the environment and what mech you're using i know the one video i saw that was a longer form video of mech warrior 5 it was the developer playing and they played like shit Uh, they uh, kept uh, swapping off targets and they, they weren't showing the game off very well. Yeah. And I realize that seems like a nitpick, but it doesn't do the game justice whenever you're you know, kind of half-assing it. But they may be also trying to uh, not show off that, okay, well, this system isn't quite in place yet or it looks funny, you know. Uh, maybe the animations aren't quite working yet and they can't really show up, but they need to show some of the engine uh, gameplay. So I do realize that there's likely a reason for it, but, you know, it's... It's irritating. Yeah. I'm just doing a quick Google search. I don't see anything new about... Well, don't worry. E3 is coming up. True. Oh, here be, we go. Single player. It would uh, shock me that we don't see anything about it on the PC gaming show there. Speaking of E3, we need to talk about that. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow night, since we're recording on Monday this week, we can chat about that in a in a business meeting. Talk some business. Have a powwow. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I've done with MechWare Online this week. Back to you. Okay, so... Uh, Jim actually sent me something uh, this past week. I haven't spent as much time with it as I would like, mostly because I got distracted with uh, its European counterpart, but I got a hold of American Truck Simulator. And it's not quite like I was expecting. I was expecting pretty much uh, Euro Truck only with the American map, but 
I have to say that at least what I've played so far, I'm still in California, essentially just establishing my uh, trucking enterprise or, yeah, dynasty or monopoly because it seems like I'm the only uh, truck on the road <laughs> or a trucking company out there. Uh, I have to say that the map design is actually done really, really well. I would say on par with some of the better Euro truck. Because that was really the failing on the original uh, Eurotrucks map, was that it was kind of bland. But there's uh, little touches here, like uh, you know, driving through the desert and having tumbleweeds blowing across the road. And first time I uh, had that happen, I actually slammed on the brakes because I wasn't sure if I would hit them. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, just little touches like that. And this game also has uh, random events happen. You know, occasionally you'll uh, see a police car uh, on the side of the road with a, a truck pulled over, you know, for speeding. Or, you know, some sort of crash that's uh, disrupting the flow of traffic. And it's that has been transferred over to the uh, to Eurotruck by now, right, on the last update. Or last major update, I should say. But it's... Uh, originally came from here and i think it adds a lot of flavor to what could get to be routine yeah just running uh, the same general routes but uh, gameplay wise uh, the main thing that's really different here and i know this is going to seem rather obvious is just the style of trucks euro truck it's all these stub-nosed uh, trucks with the engine uh, in the back and they have a lot shorter wheelbase, but just playing the first, I would say half an hour to an hour, it's getting used to a lot longer wheelbase and actually a lot more powerful of truck. That kind of threw me at first because I got used to Euro Truck after playing it for you know fifty some hours. <laughs> yeah, actually, probably a lot longer than that now. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just little things like that, and you know, just having a different area to go to so i I would say really uh which one to pick up at least right now because your truck i would say is more diverse and mostly just because of its age and it just having more map dlc out it really depends on you know the power of the trucks you want to drive and also yeah just the general maps because they are still at least somewhat transplantable you know the general experience because it at the end of the day, it's still uh, driving a big rig, hauling a cargo. But it's really where you want to be. But I, I kind of poo-pooed uh, uh, American truck just because I was joking about it being, oh, well, it's uh, the boring part of the U.S. Well, no, they haven't gone to the Midwest yet, but still. <laughs> and I think I'm uh, probably going to gonna get a hate message for that one. Don't, don't you think so? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Come on, you gotta admit that the Midwest is like, uh, yeah, uh, twenty, thirty miles of corn, then another fifty miles of wheat. It depends on where you go, but it's a lot more than twenty or thirty miles. I've driven through the Midwest a couple of times because Katie's family is from Colorado, and there are some states, some stretches of road where you can go for hundreds, literally hundreds of miles, and with nothing but farms around you. Yeah, but occasionally uh, you know, there's a crazy farmer that's uh, dug up his field and put a baseball diamond in. 
<laughs> if you build it, they will come. Um. Uh, but I was gonna, I was gonna say something, but that made me forget it. Oh well. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, is it wrong to throw a field of dreams reference in? Uh, I don't think so. I think field of dreams references are always welcome. I will say that there's not a lot of DLC out for this yet, but they have uh, one paid DLC and another one on the way, which I hope. Well, the next one is going to be Oregon or Oregon, depending on your pronunciation. I hope whenever that comes out, occasionally Sasquatch just darts across the road. That would be funny. Just be a very, very rare event. Uh, but they are adding a lot more diversity uh, to the maps, which you know, is always a good thing. And also, Eurotruck has an event going on. That's why I don't have more hours in this, is that I've been doing the Eurotruck event where... Uh, don't get me wrong, I like just getting on occasionally and just driving and hauling things, but having some sort of end goal or something to uh, drive towards, well, other than my destination, of course, is, yeah, very useful to me. So Eurotruck started up an event, and that's why I've spent a few more hours in Eurotruck than I have this, well, at least the last couple of weeks. Overall, I've spent a lot more hours in Eurotruck. Yeah. You know, I've driven both style of truck in the real world. Oh, really? Yeah. I've not driven like an official European. Yeah, but you, but you know what I mean by there's a difference in the wheelbase that makes a yeah, lot well, of difference in uh, the handling. I've driven box trucks, which have that same style, mm-hmm. the really flat front end and the short wheelbase. And then I have also driven um, 18 wheelers. Not, uh, I don't. I don't have, nor have I ever had a CDL, but if you're not pulling a trailer, at least in Tennessee, you can drive the actual truck part without a CDL, or at least you used to could. I don't know if you can anymore. And then box trucks, you don't have to have CDLs for as long as they're not longer than a certain, I think it's 18 feet, like an 18 foot box. But I've driven both, and I have to say that yes, the the... Yeah, Short just, wheelbase, yeah, just European uh, style truck has got a much better, uh, much more maneuverable. Yeah, a lot uh, tighter turning radius, but it's not near as powerful. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't really even consider that. I mean, it's obvious whenever you think about it, but it's one of those things that didn't think about it. Yeah. Because whenever I think big rig, outside of, you know, just uh, playing... Uh, Euro truck, I think of uh, the American style truck because yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah, and I just didn't really realize just how maneuverable the Euro trucks uh, are compared to them. But yeah, I think that's it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how American truck evolves over the years because both this and Euro truck, I think, still have a lot of life in them. Uh, just uh, on their. Uh, Additional content, yeah, you know, the games as services thing, which your truck also has its expansion coming out uh, in the next few months, I believe. Uh, it's going to be the Baltic Sea, so up near Scandinavia. I haven't actually seen any more info about that lately, but I haven't really been looking for it. So, who knows uh, what they're going to do with it precisely? It's going to be interesting to see how they tie into the actual map because. This will be the first time that you have to have a DLC for a DLC. 
which it makes a lot more sense here than it did when EA did it. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, so my last uh, game is also a uh, driving game, technically. Far Lone Sales. This is a driving exploration slash puzzle platformer. And this was my Sunday sampler for this last week. And it's an interesting title. It's a very artistic game. Highly artistic. It, the story of the game, it's open to interpretation. I called it the Dark Souls style of uh, storytelling where you have your world, but you could infer a lot of things from the background and just different events. Which I realized Dark Souls didn't pioneer it, but it's the one that's made it a lot more popular. And that's the style of storytelling in this. And you're up to, you're given really no information on why you're going on this particular journey outside of just you are. You can infer it from the opening, uh, just the little uh, section of the game, but beyond that, I don't really want to spoil that. What I do want to spoil is my biggest bugbear with the game. I absolutely loved it for the most part. There are sections where the way you control the vehicle, which is through just a series of switches and hitting them via platforming is very finicky and very irritating, particularly whenever there's a lot more uh, of an urgency to go uh, uh, to uh, try to do certain things because it's a little bit the the, the zoom is pulled out pretty far. So a lot of precision pa uh, platforming is very difficult unless you're actually zooming in physically with the uh, uh, the trigger, or at least on the gamepad, because that's what I was playing with. Uh, but you're kind of really dropping yourself, because a lot of this is the background, and seeing what is going on as you're driving past. It's a game of, of set pieces, a set of, of uh, a game of moments, and a game of a journey. But whenever you have a lot of hectic things going on, it kind of falls apart there just because of how clunky the controls are for the actual vehicle. But my biggest problem with this game is the length. Okay. I beat this game for the Sunday Sampler. And you usually don't play those for super long. Yes. My total play time uh, before the Sunday Sampler, and this was including recording tests and uh, uh, having a couple times where I just wasn't getting the solution to the puzzle because I was overlooking this one particular thing. Right under three hours. That is a exceptionally short game for a $15 price tag. Granted, it is a high-quality experience, but it's very short. And I have to say that the ending kind of comes out of nowhere much like uh, I had the problem with Steamroll Dig this happens uh, here as well where you're just going along and things happen and you're at the end of your journey and you're left to interpret the meaning of the ending or if there is a meaning to the ending I, I, I heard the sigh <laughs> I don't know I kind of like the sound of that honestly I'd have to try it for myself yeah. to be sure it doesn't I mean, I'm not sure if I would purchase this game if I had to purchase it, 
but I don't have to purchase it because I have a, a review copy myself. Yeah, I was a little shocked it wasn't on your list, particularly because I knew it was a short game, but then, again, you probably didn't know it was that short. Yeah, I didn't know it was short. I'll probably play it this week. And then talk about it next week before, you know, having the big Battletech episode? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the game has a very... A Studio Ghibli feel to it with how the uh, vehicle changes over time and how it's upgraded and how it handles, which I actually really like where it's that clunky style of feeling. It's both yeah. clunky in a good and bad way, depending on the on the circumstances. But thankfully, the hectic moments of the game are very few and far between. If I had to do the elevator pitch for this, I would say... Uh, you know, a journey uh, style uh, game of, uh, you know, going on a journey, hence journey, uh, with a little bit of Studio Ghibli and the Pyromania from uh, Little Inferno, where it's that desperation of burning everything to survive, because as you're driving along, occasionally you have to stop and pick up things to throw in the reactor to burn. And it has that sort of desperation as you're you know, picking up a box to burn and you're uh, seeing this just ruined shipyard in the background and you uh, figure out, oh, I'm driving along the seabed. Huh. Interesting. And that's a very minor spoiler because it's in the first, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. That sounds... I mean, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting game. And it's a game that... I think would uh, would actually make a very good game club if uh, you know if it wasn't for you know already playing it. Well, we could always still do it, but it, you know it's. I think it would have been a lot more interesting of a game club if I hadn't already played it. And you know, already know my feelings about it, and already possibly spoiling a few things. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at all the screenshots for far. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it has a for the most part it's actually very washed out. A lot of black and whites with uh, the red of the, your uh land ship thing because you get this giant sail very early on and the glow of the energy uh from your reactor. I mean, it's done uh, very well. Uh, the screenshots actually don't do it justice because it looks even better in motion. Yeah, it looks very bleak, but in a a proper artistic way. It's hard to describe. Yeah, Bleak, but beautiful at the same time. Yeah, sort of like how uh, the newest, uh, I'm pretty sure new it's still, uh, Mad Max was, where it's a very bleak landscape, but it still has this sort of beauty to it. Yeah. And the puzzle platforming sections are, are fairly straightforward and fairly simple, mostly because they usually revolve around hitting these giant red switches. Very portal-esque switches, I might add. <laughs> uh, there's occasionally the curveball where you have to do something that's not exactly um, obvious and actually kind of counterintuitive uh, a couple of times. But it's not a game uh, breaker but I gotta say you know just that one screenshot where you uh, yeah uh, the very very first screenshot uh, you know kind of it tells you what to expect from the game you know a very bleak artistic game yeah yeah I like the look of it I'll 
I'll be playing it soon. Yeah. I don't mind that you've spoiled some little bits of it. Hearing that it's only like three hours long is a big plus for me yeah, I, right now. Yeah, I would say so. three hours is probably uh, probably being conservative uh, or uh, on its uh, time. I would say probably two and a half is probably a lot safer, and that's just because I was missing a bit, and I was also uh, yeah, tr- uh, doing my recording tests, which yeah, adds time. Yeah. But that, awesome. But that is it for me, and we are right at the hour mark. Indeed. So let's move on to our news topics. And the first one of the week, a bit of editorializing in the name, but we're going to be discussing the waifu woes. In the past week... You didn't grab all to, the links for this. I, I thought I grabbed everything. Oh, no. Well... You can get those, and I'll keep talking. In the past week to two weeks, um, all, not all, many visual novel style games have received some sort of notification from Steam that they had 30 days, I believe it was 30 days, to uh, shape up or ship out in terms of getting rid of their nudity and sexual content. Yeah, the TechCrafter article actually has a list of them. Uh, Honey Pop, Mutiny, uh, Kama Sutra... Tropical Liquor, uh, Reload, uh, Relord One, Kindred Spirits on the Roof, Battle Girls slash Galaxy Girls, or both of those uh, two from that uh, studio, Roommates, Sekura Sadist, and uh, uh, several unnamed titles from them as well. They just listed one uh, on their tweet. Deep Probably Sp- all of the Sakura games, honestly. Yeah, uh, Deep Space Waifu, Coming Out on Top. And uh, Forest uh, Fortress. That's the, the list that was announced that they had issues. Yeah. Um, and since the list came out, uh, I remember Honey Pop said something about it. And then later they posted and said that the, they had received something from Steam that said that the message was sent to them in error. But uh, it it goes deeper than that. Yes. Uh, when this originally came out, I actually tweeted out, "This uh, looks way too coordinated," and my uh, my bet was a parents group found Steam and found some of the booby games on it, and I wasn't far off actually. It turns out it was an anti pornography group because you know I forgot those were still a thing. Uh, Indeed. I'm sure they're religious too, right? Highly religious. Uh, it's listed under a Chucklefoot's uh, behind it uh, on the, uh, well, on our uh, version. That, uh, this is the archive because I didn't want to give them more traffic, especially because they start hitting you with all sorts of, hey, uh, be sure to sign to our email, which I might have uh, signed, it up, uh, signed up for as fuck at you.com. <laughs> nice. Uh, but they uh, had this giant uh, victory thing of victory steam to remove sexually explicit and violent video games from the platform. You can almost hear the Bible thumping in the background, huh? Yeah. Steam, By the, the way, wa- I think the Walmart of online video game distribution with over 35 million users who are children and teenagers because, you know, that's the only people that are fucking on Steam, right? You Stupid fucking idiots. Sorry, I may be slightly pissed about this, by the way. 
just contacted uh, several video game de- uh, developers asking them to cover ex- uh, essentially uh, graphic content in their games on this on Steam or face delisting. This sudden action by Valve, the parent company of Steam, comes after a two-year aggressive campaign by the National Center of on Sexual Exploitation, including the listing of Steam in the in their 2018 Dirty Dozen list, which is kind of funny. Uh, several of the uh, uh, people that I've seen covering this uh, mentioned that okay, on their Dirty Dozen list uh, is also Twitter and Facebook, and these guys have a absolutely huge presence on both. So, yeah, definitely a Christian group. Huge hypocrisy. What? Yeah. So, I think most people who listen to our show understand this, but as the resident expert on this sort of thing, there's nothing wrong with pornography for the large portion of people. Um, If you suffer from some form of sexual addiction, probably shouldn't watch porn. Um, And if you have some personal conviction against it, no problem. Yeah, but But for the vast majority of people... There's nothing wrong with watching porn. In fact, it can en- enhance many couples' relationships. Be sure and discuss it with your partner before you just <laughs> drop that on them. Anyways, that's, yeah, yeah. I'm done with that. Well, uh, this group was a, a originally, or I should say formally called Morality and Media, which you know, is a lot more obvious on what their tone is uh, rather than the Center for, uh, uh, sorry, in sexual exploitation, you know, because... It's a lot more devious than what they really sound like. Uh, continuing on their statement, many games on uh, the Steam platform promotes themes of sexual violence, exhibitionism, and rape, and depict nudity and graphic uh, sex acts. Right. There, there's a lot of those games on Steam, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are a few. I'll yeah. give them that there are a few. Sure. Yeah, but uh, when video games include sexually graphic and degrading themes, the user is not only a voyeur, but an active participant in staging the scene. Do, do these guys actually think video games are real? That, that's something Probably. that always gets me, is that whenever uh, there's talk about uh, the morality in video games, it always acts like the character in the game is a fucking real person. That always... yeah. Uh, yeah uh talking about the agency of the of the character talking about uh them being exploited it's a story granted it may be a little bit naughtier than they like but it's still a story and that's just i, I don't want to read through the rest of this unless you really want to no you're fine i j- i clicked on their dirty dozen link mm-hmm. to see and at least on the bright side they go after. They seem to be going after multiple industries for multiple things. It's not just Steam, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, all... they go after uh, Amazon uh, for promoting material that uh, that sexualizes children and normalizes the dehumanization and sexual commodification of women. Where? I don't remember that department. Yeah, I've never seen any nudity on Amazon, except items on sale uh, uh, on for sale on Amazon include childlike sex dolls, uh, photography books with uh, eroticized a child nudity, 
manga, pornographic magazines, oh no, and clothing items. Also, oh, oh, wait, they're against clothing items? But then everyone would be nude. Their Kindle e-reader is riddled with sexually explo uh, explicit content, also known as the erotic uh, 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 section, or uh, the Harlequin novels, containing incest, uh, babysitter, and group sex themes. Oh no. What a bunch of prudes, huh? Yeah, I don't see any nudity on Amazon. Maybe I'm not... Nudity... <laughs> Now you're trying nope. to find it. Boobs. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Boob scares. By Gassy Games. Uh, boob scares. I'm pretty sure that's uh, our alternate title. Oh, hey. Huh. So you can get F Feminique 1000 gram silicone breast forms, and it's got a bunch of size listed. Then fake boobs for cross-dresser dress slash mastectomy patient. I think we found and uh, why they're sewing up in arms about Amazon. Oh, boob stress balls. I should get some of those. <sighs> All right, Pendulette. I definitely shouldn't take them to the clinic, though. Even though that would be the best place for them. I'd get in trouble, <laughs> probably. Yeah, you I need mean, to these are all very clearly fake. These don't look like real boobs at all. Oh, bare reality. 100 women, their breasts, their stories. So there's there's some real boobs on that. Yeah, and there's also some real boobs in this article. Ooh. But now we're getting to the boob mouse pads, boobies, organic lanolin-free nursing balm for breastfeeding. Okay. I'm on page four, and I'm not really seeing any more of the nips. Yeah, but the fact that th there's even a chance of it uh, is just uh, too much for him, you know? Poor uh, man's Bikini Beach, episode one. Oh, uh -oh. shit. Well, no, well we found uh, Jared's Amazon. Uh, oh, and week. it's Prime, too. I could watch that and not have to pay for it. <laughs> well, that, well, they did uh, talk about Amazon Prime being a problem. Poor man searches the world for the hottest bikini girls and craziest events in his classic TV series, which has run for 17 years. Bam. <laughs> uh, but have you ever noticed that whenever you know, these uh, morality groups go after uh, video games, it's always the visual novels? I think they're the easiest target. Yeah, particularly like, uh, most of these are, if they're not single developer, they're you know, very small teams. Yeah, like the games that are omitted from this list that contain nudity and sexual themes would be like big ones would be the Witcher series, uh, the, Grand, uh, Theft the Grand Theft Auto series. series, which I mean, those games have not been immune to people attacking. Yeah, but them they've and been more out of uh, the violence in the games, not the nudity. Well, unless you count hot coffee, but that's dry humping with fully clothed uh, uh, models. But it's so scandalous. But, I mean, games like that have not been included in this because, depending on how cynical you want to be, it's somewhere between they're too big to be affected by this, like, good luck getting through their team of lawyers, all the way to, well, Valve is making all the money from games like that, so why would they get rid of those? But the visual novels, well, we can dump those and look like we've done something. Yeah, and, won't hurt yeah, and there would be people much. cheer for them, uh, them being removed because, hey, it's the anime bullshit getting removed from Steam. I actually saw yeah. quite a few people uh, cheering, uh, not for morality, but because, 
Oh, well, yeah, it's a, it's an anime game, so yo, get the fuck off my platform. I mean, at least these are actually games. You know, they're not like achievements, uh, 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 idlers. Yeah. Which, uh, that, I think that's the, possibly the thing that irritates me the most about this is that, uh, Valve will go after the visual novel several times. This isn't the first time that they've done this. Uh, we t- actually talked about that, uh, several months ago, uh, with the game that was, uh, uh, called child pornography. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and they didn't uh, respond at all. And you know, Valve is has this very pick and choose on their policies. But you know, it, I've seen a lot of people talking about just Steam is not the place for visual novels anymore. And you know, seeing them go after uh, visual novels again and again. Saying that, okay, well, you have to uh, censor this. You have to, uh, well, this one's uh, too risque. Even with censorship, you're gone. I have to kind of agree with them, particularly where, you know, it's hard to be discovered. Yeah. But there's no real good place for it. I mean, you do have places like Manga Gamer, but that's also very niche to the point where, only the people that already know about visual novels will go there, and you're just going to stagnate your market. So there's a very a weird situation with the entire genre. And maybe this just requires people to really uh, expand their horizons about visual novels in general and not just d- dismiss them. Good luck with that. I know. Uh, just wait for the current generation of gamer to die. Oh, wait. <laughs> that's us fuck uh, but yeah Valve really really well for one needs to shape up their customer support which they have been but they also need to shape up their communication with game developers just in general and be a lot more transparent on their policies not just say well your game is uh, you know, too risque even though it's been on the platform for years what you missed, Honey Pop? I think that one was kind of obvious, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Honey Pop's been out for years now, three, four years. And a lot of these are censored titles. Granted, you can get the uncensored patch. Usually, some of these actually sell the uncensored patch. I'm not sure if they're actually on this list or not, but I know a couple of them uh, of the uh, actually a couple of the ones have. I got from Humble Bundle recently uh, sell their uh, uh, decenter patch for actually more than what the bundle I bought them in was. Uh, but they just keep uh, ratcheting down on these visual novels to the point where uh, it's tough to really say that they have a place on Steam as much as I hate to say it. Valve is forcing them out. I don't want to see them go, but it's hard to see it otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I suppose time will tell. Has there been any... Because uh, the Honeypop yeah, they, devs said that Steam told them they they received that message in air, which I assume means they're safe for now. Uh, but what about everyone I, else? I would say, uh, well, everyone else pretty much uh, said the same thing. But in error, I think that's a code for, oh, shit, we didn't realize the backlash was just going to cause. Yep. Because I saw several... <laughs> campaigns uh, saying, oh, no, don't do this. Grand, you know, there's still the 
uh, the vocal group saying, yeah, let's do this because yeah, uh, promoting censorship uh, on an entire genre is definitely not going to backfire in the long run. Right. (laughs) I mean, I realize slippery slope is a logical fallacy, but I think it kind of applies in this case. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Uh, uh, there was also one other humorous thing I didn't put on the show notes because the site is extremely non-safe for work more so than pretty much anything else we've ever linked uh, but one, wow. uh, one of the adult uh, visual novel uh, publishers out there uh, you could just uh, do search uh, uh, bullets for boobies and I'm pretty sure it'll come up oh I know I've seen that Yeah, where they were uh, funding Removing violence from games and replacing them with breasts and nudity. Uh, I support this. Pointing out the double standard of violence and nudity. Uh, And there was also a quote I've seen going around from uh, George R. Martin uh, talking about how he could describe uh, Axe being uh, uh, going through a human skull and not get near the outrage of a dick going in a pussy. Grant, he says a lot more. Eloquently, eloquently, but you know me, I'm not that. Yeah, I mean, in American culture, that's true. We readily accept violence, but anything having to do with sex or sexuality or nudity is like, whoa, there. Think of the children. Think of the children, and I think that it's that's completely backwards. Yeah. Uh, well. <sighs> These groups that go so far on the uh, on these particular issues, they seem to f- the phrase "adult protest too much" often pops up in my mind. Like, okay, what deep secrets these groups have? <laughs> I realize that's probably an overcharacterization, but we've seen far too often, you know, some of these uh, groups, uh, the uh, anti-gay groups particularly. You know, have members come out that, oh, uh, he was just repressing uh, how gay he was because, you know, he was in a bathroom blowing a guy. Yeah. Or a cop uh, in a bathroom blowing a guy. And that's come out several times. <laughs> so it makes me wonder the history of behind this group. Or, you know, what deep secrets they're hiding. Or they're just, uh, you know, uh, crazy prudes. Little column A, little column B. I love how you're uh, being so uh, PC about it. <laughs> that's what I do. That's that's part of my job most of the time is to be as gentle as possible. Oh my! All right. Uh, well, do you have any comments on? about this? Uh, because it's been mostly me bitching. I mean, I've I've made comments. Well, I'm, I just well, am not any closing not... comments. It, 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 Maybe it's just because visual novels are kind of my guilty pleasure. I'm I'm an extremely hard critic for anything except visual novels. Then it's, okay, uh, does it give me a headache trying to read it? Does it look like the person actually has an artistic license? I was making a joke there. You guys, you, you get on to me for my visual novel choices all the time. Yeah, but you're usually uh, on the even worse uh, end. Uh, and you Those have are the a, ones that are the less fun, though. The schlocky ones, but, the but schlockier, you a, the better. But, but I think it's more. You haven't even read the good ones. The schlockier, the better. 
I don't have guilty pleasures. I just have pleasures, and I gain tremendous pleasure from schlocky visual novels. Well, see, to have guilty pleasures, you have to have shame. Exactly. No shame, no guilt. But no, no I don't think I have any closing comments. I mean, I think that this is stupid. But yeah, supposedly the way they got to Valve was going after PayPal and uh, the uh, uh, payment systems and basically trying to trigger uh, their anti uh, pornography things and eventually uh, put pressure on Valve. So I could, I understand why Valve did it if that's the case. But once again, they need to be more open, more commutative, which I realize isn't exactly Valve's strong suit. I, I do think Valve needs, uh, needs to hire a PR firm. <laughs> or, you know, just get more interns to do it. Yeah. Because that's always been more Valve's, things, uh, Valve's problem, is that they never communicate. And sometimes that's good. A lot of times that's bad, though. And in this case, you know, it's been very bad. I could I could just imagine David open up his email the day after. It's like, what the hell happened? <laughs> Because you know that there was like our campaign set of Gaben. <laughs> Indeed. Okie dokie. Moving on to the next news topic. Hey, it's no Valve related. It is indeed. Two new Steam mobile apps. Yes, which one so is already I don't know out. A, okay, I was going to say, I don't know a lot about these. I've, so. I've done a little bit of toying around with one. Uh, they're uh, they're two different apps. Uh, one is a video app for essentially the video content that's on Steam. You know, the anime that's on Steam that, uh, you know, survives the censorship. Uh, some of the movies and videos. And uh, I assume that they're going to throw in uh, the Steam streaming as well for the, you know, like half dozen people that actually use that. Uh, but it allows you to view the video content that's uh, on Steam uh, through a mobile app. Very Netflix, Netflix X, uh, and that was actually very hard for me to say. Netflix light, okay. The other okay. one is actually the more interesting one to me. It's the essentially the Steam Link mobile app, where it acts as a Steam Link to your phone. And the reason why this is so interesting to me is that I have the I've committed the mortal sin of having an AMD video card. So most of the good mobile uh, uh, streaming uh, solutions will not work for me because they rely on the Moonlight uh, system, which is, of course, NVIDIA owned and uh, operated. And uh, in my initial testing of it, it actually runs pretty well and does a couple things that I wanted some of the other uh, streaming things to do that it just doesn't. For one, it uses the touchscreen as a touchscreen. And I know that uh, sounds rather crazy, but a few of the uh, streaming, uh, or a few of the better streaming solutions I've found uh, will use uh, press and drag it to manipulate the mouse. And this, you tap and it clicks there. And it makes a lot of difference in the uh, usability of the program. And it has a native built-in uh, Bluetooth uh, naturally through the phone. I haven't done enough testing with it to really say that it works all that well. 
like I said, I just toyed around with it uh, to be able to uh, see how it handles. But it, uh, I've seen a lot of people complain about crashing and a lot of uh, you know, issues, particularly with PlayStation 4 controllers. And I haven't been able to test it yet because I just hadn't had the time. And I actually planned on doing that tonight, but you know, we're, we're recording tonight. And that would have been the one difference if we recorded tomorrow. But, uh, you know, this is probably going to be, you know, me uh, laying down and uh, reading a visual novel or uh, something that re- doesn't require a lot of finesse. Yeah. That would be a great use of it. I've been... So I was aware of what this app did. The one that you said was, was more like a, a Netflix-type yeah. deal. I wasn't aware of that. But this one... Uh, the Steam Link app. Yeah, oh, the you know, the 20, 30 minutes I uh, toured around with it actually ran really well. But uh, then again, but, you know, I didn't run into any of the issues that people are being complaining about, and I've seen it's been updated at least twice. So they are actively working on it. Yeah, my kid. But uh, I was trying to think of what would be good games for it and i completely th- forgot about uh, playing visual, visual novels, novels. i would say actually something uh, uh, a 4x strategy like civ on a uh, tablet would work really well with this uh platformers assuming that you have good enough latency because this is working over wi-fi so you know you are going to have a little bit of issue with that but i would say uh most phones you know uh, the resolution difference would uh you know make up for that Unless you have a 4K phone or a 4K tablet, yeah, Wi-Fi should be uh, fine for it. Yeah, well, I mean they exist. Yeah, you can... yeah, they definitely exist. I'm not sure what my phone's resolution is. Yeah, I'm not sure mine either. Googling. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> we're doing the same thing. Uh, mine is 1440 by 2560. Which is an oddball resolution, but yeah, it works well enough. Uh, phone can adjust the resolution. Fancy. Let's see. Native resolution 2960 by 1440. You can scale it down to 1920 by 1080 or 1280 by 720. Yeah, which it does have options to do that in the uh, app itself already. I just have mine set to automatic uh, native resolution. So what is... Let's see, that would be 1440. So it's technically an ultra-wide screen? Yeah. Right? Yeah, 2960 by 1440. I'd say RPGs would actually work really well for this. Yeah, well, something not like Divinity, but, yeah, more traditional RPGs. Yeah. Or particularly anything that has good uh, controller support. Yeah, I bought um, an Xbox 360 uh, controller that, or not Xbox 360, an Xbox One controller, one of the new ones that has Bluetooth, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to like hack my Wii U uh, Pro controller anymore to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this would be interesting to try out some different games using a controller. Just put my phone on the stand and yeah, just hadn't, uh, didn't try get playing the a few games. Yeah. I might try yeah, that I've out also for seen next a week. lot of people uh, touring around uh, with the Steam uh, Steam controller and uh, making uh, 3D printing out uh, uh, phone holders for it. 
Yeah. Which I imagine that's probably the ideal solution because you have a lot of flexibility with that. Yeah, I'll have to try that out. Yep. I have to say, the bit I played with it, it, I, it did impress me. But, you know, it's, I didn't play it enough to really give, you know, give it a stress test. Uh, the video one, uh, it really depends on how much video content they eventually get on Steam. Because right now, it's still fairly limited. Yeah, they've added... Well, I don't know how much they've added recently. I remember that at one point, they were adding movies fairly rapidly. But... Yeah, I, yeah I maybe know. it's just I don't pay attention to it because I just don't go to that section. But uh, let's see. Um, I'm on the video section of Steam, which I rarely go on to. It's, uh, I think I just kicked up a tumbleweed. Uh, but I don't recognize really any of this outside of... Oh, 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 hang on, hang on. I, fa- I found something for you. What did you find for me? <laughs> uh, do you feel scared? No. Oh, should I? Maybe we should send this to Morality and Media. Dirty Grandpa Unrated. This is on Steam. <laughs> this would have to be terrible. Oh, I imagine it is. It has six user reviews. One which says literally unwatchable. I mean, seriously, the stupidest thing. Uh, well, it looks like it's more. It doesn't wa- uh, run. <laughs> 1,523 results. That's a decent category or catalog. I mean, there's yeah, but, a kajillion movies and TV shows and stuff, but for a service that's primarily video games, that's not too bad. I mean, there's some odd things on here, like the making of Horizon Zero Dawn. That's not even a PC game, so it's weird that I have it on Steam. It's a popular game, though. Yeah. Oh, they have Jigsaw. Woo. Oh, here you go. Here's something that will interest you a lot more. My Little Pony. Whoa! <laughs> my Little Pony, My Little Pony. Friendship so, maybe there is more for this than I was really expecting. Because, you know, I, I thought... I just hadn't gone to the video section at all. I mean, there's really no reason for me to. They have Spartacus, so I have all four seasons of that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so well, maybe there is uh, more to this. And uh, I imagine since they're putting the app out, they're going to focus a lot more on this, which it makes sense, right? Uh, uh, not wanting to put the cart before the horse. Yeah. So get a bit of content out there, uh, get the app to make it a lot more accessible, then start uh, going uh, crazy on it. Do you think that's their uh, scheme here? Probably. Although, honestly, with Valve, with Steam, sometimes you can't really tell at all. Yeah, Valve with Steam is rather schizophrenic. But just because of their corporate structure, they're a very uh, flat corporate structure where it's, yeah, little teams doing oddball things. And then, you know, someone screws up and then Gabe's email uh, inbox gets full uh, flooded. Yeah. yeah I'm just, I'm kind of scrolling through here. I'm not going to buy any of this. Uh, mostly because I have Amazon Prime, so most of this, you know, uh, it's kind of redundant, or, you know, it just doesn't interest me. Yeah. 
and yeah, I'm scrolling through pages and finding maybe one thing, and that's in going through entire genres. Yeah, I don't know if I'd get anything from Steam. I mean, I have Prime and Netflix. And do we have Hulu? I think we just recently got Hulu again. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the my major problem with Steam uh, is a lot of this... Uh, well, a good chunk of it is, yeah, rental stuff. And if I'm going to get it on Steam, I'm going to buy it. Granted, there are some animes on here that I've seen that actually wasn't bad. So uh, maybe that's the big section is the anime section. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, they have Torador. That's actually a really good show. And I, I could almost hear the blank look. Yep. Never seen it. Don't think I've heard of it before. Uh, it's a very good uh, romance uh, show. Yeah, we need to do anime night uh, sometime. I agree. At some point, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but All right. yeah, it uh, looks like uh, the Steam video app, once it finally comes out, has more legs on what I really uh, thought. It just It's going to be an anime thing, which isn't bad as long as Valve doesn't go, uh, have to go Puritan on it again. Yeah, fingers crossed. Oh, Braves of the Six Flowers. That was actually a really good show as well. Oh, okie dokie. Time to get us back on track. Move on to our next news topic, which is Boss Key Productions shuts down. That is, in case you were unaware or have forgotten, Cliffy B's company, the same people who made, um, shit, what's their, <laughs> their recent <laughs> Battle Royale? Something Heights. Radical Heights. There you go. They made Radical Heights. They shut down, though. I'm sorry, but it's hilarious that you forgot it. Well, that's how memorable the whole thing was. Uh, what was their other game? Uh, it's not very memorable either. <laughs> oh, Lawbreakers. You remember it. Good job. But yeah, well, they shut down to uh, between two colossal uh, monetary failures. Well, Lawbreakers, they spent a lot of money promoting, and even its free beta, it never really got off the ground. Yeah. I mean, its uh, beta period had, what was it, just over 10,000 players, and for a open beta on a first-person shooter that was being heavily promoted... That's abysmal. Yeah. But then again, they also announced originally that it was going to be a free-to-play, and then they turned around and made it, what was it, $30 uh, price tag on uh, release? Yeah, 30 bucks, which was not, like, too expensive, I felt, for, like, a brand new yeah, game. Yeah, but you're also... But, I mean, they were going up yeah, against... Overwatch. Yep. Overwatch and Team Fortress 2 are the two big ones in the... Well, even though technically uh, TF2 is not a hero shooter, it's close enough. Yeah. So, you know, you're going up against two different, uh, two very big established titles, and you have a movement system that is not exactly intuitive, and you don't explain it that well with the whole zero G thing. It's not hard to see why uh, Lawbreakers got panned and just never took off. And then Cynical Heights. 
which I realize radical heights, but uh, Jim Sterling just has a cynical heights uh, locked into my brain, even though it's not a uh, very off base because they launched in what they called extreme early access. So extreme, they don't even have textures on most of the buildings. Well, not most of the buildings, but a good chunk of them. And uh, yeah. movement systems weren't working correctly. Uh, every video I saw had uh, jerky animations. Uh, uh, zip lines were just seizure-inducing uh, flicker fests. Uh, there was a good chunk of people talking about how to get around a, uh, a what was that, pink screen or blue screen, whatever, uh, launch in full, uh, in full screen. Yeah, uh, I think it was blue. I don't remember precisely, but it had it had lots of problems. Just condense all of that to it was a shit show, last ditch it, effort yeah, to it, it, it was, save the company. It was obvious that they were just chasing the battle royale, uh, yeah, uh, money because yeah they lost a lot on lawbreakers. I mean, it was obvious to pretty much everyone, and the fact that they were selling a a lifetime pass to the game and then folded up within a few weeks. I would have to say that le- would leave a very, very, very sour taste in my mouth because it was a twenty dollars. Uh, it was a twenty dollar premium uh, for well, what was originally actually a little bit pay to win. Yeah, and uh, sort of a an odd literal sense in the game because you could get a bank yeah. that you could store money from game to game and then you could access equipment faster by spending money on it. Yeah, but their uh, 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 defense of it was, well, when you're using the ATM, you're completely vulnerable. Yeah. Very vulnerable. Uh, the most vulnerable. Yeah, particularly people that bought into this. But um, I, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, but we we didn't exactly call this, but we said that this was going to be uh, I think a, I a big possibility. I, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I said if this doesn't take off, uh, this uh, the company's dead. It's it, it felt way too much of a, a cash grab. I'm pretty sure I said that. If I didn't, you did. But that tone sounds a lot more like me. <laughs> yeah. I... Mm, no, I think I, I think we, I think we agreed. I on think it. you said it, and I agreed with you, because I, I said I, I felt like this was a, a last ditch yeah, effort. It, how quick yeah, it look, came out, it how... was just way too rough looking, it, even by early access standards. Because early access has some pretty low standards, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but for a battle royale game, unless you're player unknown. You need at least somewhat solid uh, uh, shooting mechanics. Yes, I went there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, that threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> you saying that threw me off. I don't know why, but my brain just kind of shut uh, down well, for a second. Uh, uh, um, so you encountered a bug? I did. I encountered a bug. I'm, I, I wish the best to everyone from that company, including Cliff Blazinski. Used to, and I think we may have said this before too, like used to, he had a stellar rep, uh, reputation for being like a big ideas guy. Um, and do you think, you know, he was, oh, sorry, go ahead. He was great 
if he had somebody to rein well, him in. I was in, about to say, like uh, he's, he's, George, George, you know, he's George Lucas. He needs, yeah. he needs, the, he needs that uh, short leash and a choke collar. Yeah. And, you know, when he set out on his own, he just couldn't, he couldn't rein it in. I, I hope he learned how to do that. And I don't well, think he that, retired from video game development again I, after this. Yeah. Well, I thought he said he was just going to be taking a break, though. Not well, that he was well, retiring forever. Well, that's what a lot of people are calling it as a, a temporary retirement. So. Okay. Or or but, I should say the articles I've been reading about this because, you know, I, I was looking at this and I was also uh, over the last several weeks, occasionally I would check on uh, uh, Radical Heights and I actually have to pause to say the proper name. <laughs> uh, player accounts, because I was interested to see what would happen. I wasn't uh, cheering for its demise. But I wasn't surprised to start seeing that downward trend actually happen fairly quickly. Yeah. To the point where it was getting under a thousand uh, uh, daytime peak, which for any other genre is decent enough. But Battle Royale, no. Yeah. I'm not sure if I was expecting it to last longer. I Like, I'm not sure how I feel on how long it specifically lasted, but... I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, not surprised yeah, not to see surprised. that it... I, I'm a little surprised that it happened so quickly, particularly selling the uh, uh, premium edition. Because, yeah. oh, that, that has to leave people salty. They did say that the Radical Heights servers were going to be up for the near future. I don't know how long near future is, but... Well, just don't uh, count, hold them to a time frame, I guess. Probably however long they paid up for their surfers. Yeah, most likely. I mean, there, there were people that enjoyed it. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm tired of seeing a Battle Royale in general, but the 80s motif, it just didn't feel like it added anything and just was distracting and cheesy and not in the good way cheesy. Yeah. Because th- there are games that does the 80s well, like Blood Dragon. But it's, you know, 80s plus, you know, something else. Or taking a general idea. And this it was just basically copy and paste BMX bikes in a lot of neon colors. I would... Uh, I think it, this would have done a little bit better if they went full Running Man instead of doing Battle Royale. Granted, I realize they didn't have the time to really develop anything. This was, you know, pretty much their last effort and Battle Royale is that easy to make. That's the reason why you yeah. see so many of them. And, well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, the idea that you know, going a full-on uh, full Running Man-esque uh, game could be very interesting. You know, as a sub-genre to this uh, game mode or genre, you know, however you want to uh, splice it. You know, doing an active hunt down a person. Uh, like Evolve tried to do, but, you know, make it so that it's not as easy to do hide and seek. I don't know. It's a very, very tough thing to do, and that's probably why we haven't seen it. Yeah. I wonder... I wonder what's next for for all of them. Cliffy's going on his little break. 
Uh, I wonder well, how much this is going to tarnish his reputation and make him a uh, Peter Molly. I mean, there was a there was a time when you know people would have given him anything that he wanted. Hell, that he that did happen, and we see what happened. So I wonder how much distance the larger publishers and companies that d- he might look to in the future are gonna back away from him. Gonna give him, uh, yeah. Well. This does put it into a whole new light that story we covered quite a while, well, not quite a while ago, but a few weeks ago, about him complaining about Epic poaching his uh, staff. Rats from a stinking ship? Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we definitely called that one. I mean, it's hard to really uh, fault the employees that left and were offered something from Epic and the other uh, companies, assuming that they even sought them out and it wasn't the other way around, which honestly, with everything that's come out about, yeah, Racco Heights, yeah, uh, especially being a last gasp, uh, frantic, you know, grasping at straws, employees that were paying attention to the company, I do not blame them for leaving at all. Especially going to Epic, which probably really, really got a Cliffy B salty. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't blame him for, for leaving either. Yeah. I probably would. I can't think of any company or job I've ever had that I would stay loyal to in that situation. Uh, especially when it's clear that, yeah, uh, yeah, the deck is listing a little bit. Yeah. I don't think I would like leave immediately, but by the point where that they were leaving, I think that they they'd stuck it, it yeah, out it was only and a couple for the best before. and saw, yeah, they saw the writing on the wall. But uh, yeah, good luck, guys. I don't think any of you listen to the show, but if you do, good luck. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry for most of the mean things I said. Not all of them. You're but... not. You're not. Don't lie to them. Uh, okay, I'm sorry I called it uh, Cynical Heights at one time uh, when we're covering its death. Uh-huh. What? All right, something that I hope is not cynical. Uh, Microsoft's new Xbox controller, which is designed for accessibility, has been revealed. The Yeah, uh, the original. Uh, news article says leaks ahead yeah. of reveal, but that was one of the things from two weeks ago, and it's been officially revealed now. Well, I'm pretty sure I put, uh, a, yeah, uh, updated links as well, so along with the reveal trailer, so... You just needed to editorialize that. But you didn't. Right. That would... That's effort. Um, this is an what, interesting... What, you gonna put on a Battle Royale now? Yeah. This is an interesting-looking thing. Like, it's a great idea. It looks weird, yeah, but... Yeah, it looks like a controller from DJ Hero. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's got, like, a lot of things that plug into it. The Just the various buttons and... Yeah, things well, that the controller well, we can should, do. Uh, uh, really talk about uh, what this is. This is essentially an accessibility uh, uh, device for the Xbox and by extension the PC with a lot of flexibility on uh, its uh, uh, capabilities. It has on the back of it uh, three and a half millimeter jacks that you can plug various uh, control mechanisms into to hit the different controller buttons. And it's meant for uh, disabled people to be able to play games again. And it also has two giant buttons that are also configurable. Yeah. Um, 
it's this is wonderful like one of the things like the more like this sort of morbid thing i've always wondered is like what happened like what would ever happen to me it was like gaming being my biggest hobby if something happened and i wound up disabled or lost an arm or a hand or something like i try not to think about that all the time but every once in a while you know you have those like thoughts about life Well, one of the youtubers i watch uh ben heck he actually does make uh uh, uh, disabled accessible controllers usually single-handed controllers uh, that are a an an official controller broken down and uh, reconfigured he's done videos on them several times and he uh, would and he occasionally sells them uh, but they're hugely expensive uh, they're complete custom jobs and they have to be custom jobs uh, for each individual person because uh, different motor skills or you know, different uh, circumstances you know someone may have uh, lost their uh, left hand well they have to build a right-handed version or you know they may have a neurological disorder so they have less dexterity, so they can't manipulate uh, certain buttons. So they have to do bigger buttons or easier to press buttons. This uh, takes a lot of the effort out of design because everything is essentially plug and play. And it's going to have various uh, additional things you can plug into it that could be different triggers. It could uh, have the uh, a straw that you blow into to trigger the button, for example if someone is completely paralyzed from the neck down. It's a very, very fascinating thing to see a first-party controller like this. Yeah. But I hope this paves the way for other versions or ideas regarding this from uh, Sony and Nintendo and perhaps some of the other larger hardware manufacturers. I'm not quite sure who would pick this up more on the PC side, but... Valve. I mean, this is a maybe uh, Valve, would... uh, uh, Alienware, maybe uh, Logitech. I'd buy Valve some good PR. Uh, I'm just, although granted, they still don't need good yeah. PR. Like as much as we rag on them in general, most people don't think they need good PR. Yeah, I mean, Valve does but... all right in general, but uh, you know, uh, their screw ups are a lot more high profile. But yeah, I could definitely yeah. see someone like uh, yeah, a company like Logitech doing it. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, they're uh, close to it with their uh, MMO mice. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm holding an MMO mouse right hand uh, right now in my hand. Do you want to know where my other hand is? Oh, my. <laughs> uh, but Don't tell me. My imagination is, is doing the work. But, you know, it's not a far uh, jump from an MMO mouse to something uh, similar to this on the PC side of things, just because of how configurable it is. Especially with some of the other MMO mice I've seen that actually have the entire side panel sw- uh, swappable to different button configurations. Yeah. So I could definitely see this uh, being a, a more uh, accessible thing in the future for various uh, companies to look into. And uh, this also could be useful uh, not just for disabled people, but also modders and people that want to build custom control mechanisms because they could hook it directly into this because it's a pretty standard uh, three and a half millimeter jack. Yeah, uh, build uh, that uh, steel battalion controller you always wanted. <laughs> That's an interesting use for it that I hadn't thought of. Well, I was trying to think. That would be cool, though. I was trying to think of something not 
just uh, for accessibility, but also, you know, as something uh, additional to it. And that's the first thing I thought of was modders. Yeah. It's not that expensive either. I mean, it's priced at 100 bucks, which is around the price tag of the Xbox Elite controller. Yeah, but this also requires... Uh, well, it doesn't require, but it's built around having additional control mechanisms added on to it. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's not it's meant to be prohibitively expensive. It's, you know, it's more expensive than their standard controller, which makes sense. This is one larger. It's a, roughly the size of a, a keyboard, maybe a little bit thicker. Um, but, I mean, it's not something that you hold. You set it on a table and you use it that way. But it, it's larger, and that makes sense. Um, because in their demo video or their reveal video, I can't remember which one, but they showed a guy playing it, uh, and he was missing a hand. So they, he was using one of the giant buttons as like, a an emulating a joystick. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, one of the I mean, this looks a lot better than, uh, stuff that Ben Heck did, uh, which, um, I just linked to you, uh, where he, for example, he has a left-handed Xbox one controller where He's moved the D-pad and uh, the uh, uh, face buttons to uh, the side of the controller with an additional trigger that you get to manipulate. It's an uh, interesting design. It would work. But this uh, thing from uh, uh, Microsoft, I think, would work a lot better overall. Yeah. That's just crazy watching him or someone play YouTube with this or play YouTube, play Halo with this thing. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's like a little thing yeah, that's moving on like, his leg. Yeah. It has, it has a little nub uh, on the bottom of it. Yeah. I see. But yeah, he's, uh, it, yeah, it was a, a complete custom job to try to make a left-handed or uh, just a right-handed only controller. And this is a lot more of an elegant solution and a lot uh, easier to personalize. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. I think that's going to be the big thing for this is that it opens up the hobby to people that uh, weren't able to do it anymore. Because you were talking yeah. about uh, becoming uh, disabled and that can hit you just rather suddenly. Believe me. I know. Yeah. You have a, an accident or a weird disease or cancer or something i mean if if i get like cancer in my arm fuck it cut it off i mean i don't want to lose my arm but my life's not worth it and that's the easiest way to get rid of cancer is to essentially you know if you can hack off the body part where it where it came up yeah it works like that in rim world (laughs) you know uh, gaming is uh a medium that requires a certain amount of dexterity for the most part there are genres that don't require that yeah Uh, but in order to play a first person shooter you need a certain amount of hand-eye coordination a certain amount of dexterity uh, a certain amount of uh, mental acuity and yep for somebody that's lost uh, a part of their hand or uh, a hand or just uh, yeah just having it a neurological issue that this could open up the uh, the gaming world to them again. Yeah. And I think that's great. Good job, Microsoft. You did you did a good thing. You did a good. Yeah, and uh, and I really like that they are not making this a proprietary uh, control uh, system. It's running the X input system. So this is still viewed as an Xbox controller. So 
it could work on uh, Windows pretty much immediately. It's just they're going to have custom control uh, uh, drivers for Windows later on to be able to program a little bit easier. Uh, that's at least yeah. what I uh, believe I've read on this. But yeah, good on Microsoft. Uh, I'm hoping to see more uh, of these uh, in the future uh, from uh, you know the big uh, console manufacturers. I think um, uh, Nintendo is going to be the last one, honestly. Nintendo is usually the last one on stuff like that. Well, uh, they'll well, be the first well, to innovate. Well, Nintendo has a weird control mechanism to begin with. The Wii was a lot easier in general to be able to uh, uh, use uh, with a disability, but it was still required a certain amount of dexterity. The Switch is a lot tougher. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, Sony is probably going to take note of this if they have it already and have it in development. Yeah. So, I think they will. Uh, so, uh, anything else? I mean, I've, uh, do you think this would uh, be useful for uh, uh, your profession for therapy to make uh, video gaming a little bit easier so it's not as uh, required for a certain amount of hand-eye coordination? You know, make it a little bit easier uh, just in general? Because I know you use uh, gaming and therapy sometimes. Yeah, I use gaming and therapy pretty frequently, honestly. But uh, probably... I just don't have any personal experience working with... Well, I wasn't talking about uh, specifically disabled people, but being able to have a, a controller that's a lot easier to handle for someone that's not used to a game. Yeah, it would be helpful. Um, most people can pick up and use a controller for pretty simple stuff, but anything too complicated, if they don't have a history of gaming, it they can you run the risk of them being frustrated at it. Yeah, you don't definitely. Yeah, you be... don't put me in a first-person shooter trying to use a controller. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, this could definitely be um, helpful in that respect. I don't know. I'd have to give it a try. I wonder if I could expense this in my, <laughs> my new clinic. It's for therapy. I promise. Maybe I'll try it later after I've been there. Okay, for a while. we understand it's for therapy, but why do you have the uh, the codpiece controller? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do have that controller. <laughs> All right. Next news topic. Let me scroll back up here. Ah, some net neutrality news. Yeah, this is something that we never actually covered, I don't think, because this happened in an odd week for us, the decision, and we just kept pushing it back, pushing back, pushing back. So uh, do we want to go... Uh, for an overall thing on what is net neutrality first? Um, we can. I I, mean, I would say most people in our audience know. We've definitely talked about that before. What is net neutrality? Yeah. Um, I mean, just very briefly, very in general, net neutrality is the idea of a free and open internet where that nothing has priority. Um, your ISP... <laughs> Internet service provider can't prioritize certain content over other content. They have to give you everything at the same rate. Or more importantly, technically priorities certain content over other content. Right. That that is a better way to say what I said at the same rate. Um, there, just in case anyone's wondering, there is priority content that exists, like hospitals, for example. They're 
traffic is prioritized over your gaming or whatever. Um, but that makes sense to me. So it's that those are okay preference or okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, preferential content treatment, but beyond that, like if you want to watch videos on YouTube, your ISP, for example, if they're Comcast can't throttle that content. So it's basically unwatchable. So they and so point you towards their yeah, service. So they can't say, Hey, we have an owner stake in Hulu. Why don't you try them instead? Yeah. Which, uh, the guy with the most punchable face in, well, at least his division of government, Ajit Pa, uh, put out some rather cringy videos, uh, essentially saying, hey, you can still do all the things you want without net neutrality because it wasn't important beforehand. Uh, completely negating the fact that the reason why net neutrality was put in place in the first place was that Comcast and a lot of the big ISPs were throttling BitTorrent traffic. And we're actually being actively sued by uh, uh, users. Yep. So, anyways, they, the FCC, voted to remove the net neutrality rules that were enacted under the Obama administration. And that was set to take place soon. Yeah, it was supposed to take place um, next month, uh, June 11th. Right. Uh, in the Senate... Last week, there was a vote, um, and the Senate voted to suspend the suspension of the rules. Yeah, there's a uh, thing in place where uh, policy uh, rulings can be overridden by the government. Uh, And up until uh, recently, it's been rarely used, but lately it's been used quite a bit. And this is one of those cases where it's actually... uh, a fairly decent thing. So, uh, the House now must pass this, and then it goes, oh shit, to the president. Yeah. It's extremely unlikely that the House will also pass this, and if they do, it's extremely likely that the president will veto this. Yeah, which... Uh, but for the time being, the... Everything's on pause. Yeah. Which, uh, this has uh, been voted essentially along party lines with a couple of Republicans crossing over to vote in favor of uh, reinstating. That's the only reason why it passed in the first place. Yep. And I believe the House of Representatives has a lot wider division between the parties. Yeah. If memory serves correctly, I may be mistaken on that. Yeah, it's real close in the Senate, but in the House, it's it's not as close. Nowhere near as close, I don't believe. But it's uh, this is essentially a uh, well for one a delaying tactic, but also uh, putting people on notice on who is in favor and who isn't for voting later on. And I realize that we are deeply into politics now, and I do apologize for anyone that's uh, having to suffer through this, but uh, especially to our international listeners who may be thinking, "Why is this such a big deal?" Well. Uh, the internet still goes to the United States, and those throttling uh, that throttling will still affect you. So, uh, you know, it's still a big deal. And as much as I hate to say this, the United States does push certain amounts of policy worldwide, and other uh, countries will take notice and think, "Hey, we could do this as well," even though this seems like an incredibly stupid idea. 
Sorry, I was coughing there for a second. <laughs> you you folks won't notice it because I'll cut it out, but Rage had to sit there for a couple seconds of silence. Um, fortunately, many other countries are more tax savvy who have well who have followed the United States in policy or you know in with similar policy. Many of those countries think that our country is batshit insane right now, which it is, and they're not doing that anymore, which is good. Also, many other countries are way ahead of us. I think most countries, if not all of them, are still maybe behind the curve a little bit, but nowhere near as behind as the United States is. So many European countries already have stronger and better net well, neutrality they have better, rules than uh, we do. protection laws as well. So They have better, yeah, they have better consumer protection yeah, laws in general, which yeah, helps. It seems like the helps. only place that the U.S. really strides, well, at least for the time being, is uh, science research, which is, they're falling behind there because, you know, uh, you know, Chinese myth, and also handicap accessibility. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, I, all right. I was uh, saw a, a GIF on Reddit uh, talking about uh, the or showing a, a escalator in Japan how it could be turned into a chairlift, and there was a huge discussion about accessibility in various countries. And comparing it to the United States, where the U.S. actually passed uh, accessibility laws, uh, in some cases, a decade before other countries. And a lot of countries are having to scramble and uh, put accessibility into uh, infrastructure that doesn't really support it. So that's one place where the United States uh, just being so spread out actually helps out because we're not as cramped. And so there's a lot of more room to be able to redo infrastructure huh well good good for us in that regard i guess yeah now granted we if did. you uh need medical coverage because you're disabled you are screwed but oh yeah you're fucked hey, uh, you're, in, the, in the states hey but hey at least you could uh, uh be wheeled around uh relative uh, ease as you're in crippling pain yeah that's that's good i guess <laughs> I, that counts for something. Maybe not enough, but something. Uh, but I love I got uh, completely off guard with uh, handicap access. <laughs> uh, I guess a broken clock can be right twice every few decades. I don't know. That's not that's not entirely fair. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, at least in the United States. I, I don't know how it is in other countries, but uh, it seems like each regime change, whenever there's a large swing in uh, government power uh, between the two parties, they have to spend a good chunk of time erasing the previous uh, uh, legacy. I mean, that's accessible, uh, very apparent with Trump. Uh, but Obama had to undo uh, things that uh, Bush did. Bush was undoing things that Clinton did, Clinton, and so on and so on. So there's a lot of back yeah. and forth, and there's not a lot of progression. Yeah. And it's really because the two parties are so opposed on many key aspects of policy. There's uh, not a lot of agreement in some, in, uh, some areas. <sighs> but we're very, very, very political right now. Indeed. Let's Let's step away from that. And step towards... Another landmine? 
another yeah another landmine call of duty black ops 4 will have no steam release or single player uh they will instead have battle royale <sighs> I, i'm not looking forward to e3 now there's going to be so many fucking battle royale modes yep Uh, there are many people who don't play the single-player campaign in Call of Duty. That's fair. But upon watching Young Ye's video where he looked at the, specifically the PlayStation stats for a couple of the Call of Duty games. I don't uh, video. I'll do that now, though. I I don't remember which games he looked Uh, at. I know uh, he looked uh, at World War War II, the the most recent Black Ops game, I believe. Okay. But, I mean, it's still something like 50% of players play enough campaign uh, enough of the campaign to get the the trophy or the achievement for completing the first mission and something like 25% of players overall complete the entire campaign um compared to I believe it was only in like the 20% of users who play multiplayer far enough to get the first prestige which in case you don't know prestige mode is in Call of Duty, this has been a thing for a long time. You level up and unlock new weapons and whatnots. And then when you hit the max level, you can do what's called Prestige, which resets you back to level one, but you get like some sort of special thing. It's been like icons in the past, like or special skins for weapons, that sort of thing. And only something like 20, it was around 25, 20 to 25% of players had actually Prestiged. And he said that those would probably be your core audience that you're going after. Yeah, I just dropped. The so link they're cutting and, out. Uh, so it'll be in the show notes. And so in the estimate number of people, and this was just on, I believe PlayStation, or did he extrapolate he, to total he, he, sales? He showed Steam, and he also uh, extrapolated sales and uh, then uh, percentage of sales. So it's something like five million players were not gonna who who had completed the single player campaign were now not gonna be able to do so in the new game. Mm-hmm. Um. And their bullshit reasoning, which I agree with him that it's bullshit, that they're saying is, oh no, we're going to be telling stories in new and interesting ways through the multiplayer. Uh, You know, this has never been done before, which it has with uh, Titanfall. The first Titanfall tried to have a multiplayer campaign, which failed miserably. uh, Because, like, people played it one time. It's like three or four hours total, and then never played it again. And if you came to the game late, you couldn't play it. Yep. Uh, but anyways, the real reason is that that multiplayer segment, they're banking on being uh, enough repeat business through, I don't know, loot boxes or microtransactions or something, outweighing those potential lost sales for people like me who only care about the campaigns. And zombies mode. I Zombies mode sometimes. Yeah, let's see. Uh, well, I went over to Steam stat, or Steam's achievements. uh Long way from Texas, I believe you said was the uh, uh, first uh, mission in Call of Duty World War Two uh, in the campaign, and that is seventy one point six percent. Okay, so seventy one percent of players played the campaign at least enough to get the achievement for beating the first mission. Yeah, I'm just double checking uh, uh, to make sure that's the first mission, but. Yes, that's the first mission that I campaigned. So, it's being the first mission. 71%. So, yeah, 
they're just not being transparent and saying, you know, it's, we don't want to put the money into it or possibly, uh, there's technical issues, even though there's been reports that, oh, we've never really tried to do the campaign, uh, which seems foolish, especially for a full price game like this and not really try to give enough uh, value to the game otherwise. Yeah. I haven't I haven't bought the last few Call of Duty uh, games. Let's see, uh, to the end, which is complete the campaign, 38.3% on Steam. Okay, so it's higher than... Well, no, he was looking at the PlayStation numbers, though. Then there's not going to be a Steam release for this new one. Yeah, so that loses a few casual sales. Granted, it's still going to be on the Battle.net launcher, so you know, uh, it's going to be there for people that want it, but people that may have never really heard of Call of Duty, which I realize seems crazy, but you know, there are new people that come into the gaming all the time, and there is the lucky 10,000. You know, uh, by average, uh, a person, uh, l- 10,000 people learn a new thing every day. XCAD. XKCD. <laughs> yep. I love that. Uh, in that particular one, they're like, what's this thing? It's like, you're one of today's 10,000. Um, I love XKCD. There really is one for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, though. Yeah, I, I haven't bought the last few Call of Duties. I, the last one that I, the most recent one that I own is Advanced Warfare, and I got that one as a Christmas present or a birthday present from my mom a couple yeah, of years ago. The only one I have is uh, Kyle uh, sent it to me to play uh, Zombies mode, and I just did not care Yeah, the for original it. Black Ops. Which, I mean, I liked the campaign well enough in Advanced Warfare. It was fine, but I never touched the multiplayer because I, I don't give a shit about multiplayer. And I want to buy Infinite Warfare at some point. But they never go on sale. Well, not never, but they very rarely go on sale. And on they don't Steam. go on any type of major discount. Yeah. So I'm not going to buy that game at, you know, full price or close to full price for the eight hour campaign. But eventually I will. I mean, I've played all of them up to advanced. No, I didn't. Let's see. I didn't play Black Ops Three. Play Advanced Warfare. I played Black Ops One and Two. I didn't play Call of Duty Ghosts. I've played most of them. And the last time I really heavily played the multiplayer on a Call of Duty game was when I was in high school, or maybe in college. My first couple of years when I still played games with those friends that I had. But I mean, once I, especially once I started playing PC games, I don't, I don't play multiplayer very much on anything. Especially not a fast-paced, well, in quotes, fast-paced, because console shooters are quite slow. Um, but they have auto-aim. They do. And that's really nice for when I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> it's all. It always feel, feels weird whenever I pop onto Twitch and I see uh, one of the tournaments uh, for Call of Duty or something, and they're using uh, consoles. It's like, you're auto-aiming. There's still a degree of skill involved. Yeah, but I mean, not as much as I would want to see. Yeah. We can maybe have that conversation another uh, time. Uh, on the general topics list? Yeah, maybe. Um, But anyways. Yep, I'm 
I mean, granted, I don't really have a horse in this race. I don't care about Call of Duty all that much, but I still think it's bullshit. And it's more just exhaustion about Battle Royale in general. Yeah. Which I think that's fair by now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. We're up to the point where I've realized Call of Duty is a yearly release, but it's a three-year development cycle on each team, and it's three different teams that run Call of Duty. Which, it's kind of crazy whenever you think about that, huh? Yeah. That three different developers are running Call of Duty. I mean, it's been a big enough... Uh, big enough game series to support it. it, People buy enough uh, every single year for that to work. Yeah. People do, though. It's slowed down. I can't... Let's see, it slowed down at Infinite Warfare. It picked back up for World War Two. Yeah, but that was a, so. a, yeah, a rather desperate, uh, a drastic change. And Infinite Warfare uh, kind of put people off with the sci-fi. So I could kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see how this does. I really hope it does badly. I don't normally wish <laughs> bad things on anyone, but I really want this to perform poorly. Just so poorly that they apologize and and release a single player campaign and they never do this again. They, I doubt they, it'll happen. Not do I really that. doubt it will. They're not, they're not, but you if know, there's our apology. It'll be a bungee esque apology. We're sorry. <laughs> We're listening to your feedback. Um, the apology cycle. <laughs> yeah, but you know, a man can dream, right? Yeah, I guess so. Speaking of dreams. Already, indeed, on to the final news topic of the week. The adventure game to the moon is being adapted into an animated feature film. Yeah, this is a little fluff piece, mostly because we both really enjoyed uh, To the Moon. Yep, I can hear the song now. <laughs> I can hear I, it I right now, man. I think some of the weakest part, uh, parts of To the Moon wouldn't translate to a movie anyway, so they'd cut it, you know, that one really gamey section. Yeah, or even if they left it in, it, watching it, I think, would be more interesting than trying to play that portion because it felt, I mean, that was the worst part of the whole game. So, it felt like padding. So I, de- yeah. I definitely see To the Moon as a good uh, story to transition to a different medium. I wonder how long it would be. Like, I mean, To the Moon was about three hours Yeah, anyways. I would say it would probably be, uh, you know, hour and a half, hour, uh, hour to hour and a half movie. Yeah, I suppose a lot of uh, the walking around and discovering bits could be cut or condensed. Yeah. And the puzzle-solving mechanic could be... Because that took up some a little bit of time, too. That wouldn't, wouldn't translate to a film, I don't think, so... But yeah, I mean, this is an interesting little thing that you brought up. I don't really know how much there is to say about it other than I hope it does well. I look forward to it just because of how much I love that game. How much it makes me cry every time I play it. Uh, do, do you need a moment? No, I'm okay. Do you need a different type of moment? No, no, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to see a little indie project like this get so much traction that it could uh, do a movie. Because To the Moon uh, was kind of a, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot from it. 
but it's really, really like this cult hit. Yeah. And it's one of the few games that I think uh, really kind of justifies uh, RPG Maker games in general because uh, RPG Maker is such a double-edged sword. It's a lot. It's very, very easy to make an RPG with it, which that's what To the Moon uh, is used uh, using. Uh, but at the same time, it's caused a lot of uh, what's the PC way of saying this? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, there's been some pretty bad RPG Maker games. Yeah, I mean, just going through Steam releases now, I'm uh, yeah, I'm starting to see. Oh well, I've seen this right pack about a half a dozen times today. So uh, to to the moon, I probably uh, it's probably the best RPG Maker game out there. Now I could think of at least. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see just for one. If they uh, uh, do a good art style on this, because I didn't see anything about how they're doing it. Unless it was on that video, and I briefly watched it, but I didn't uh, look at it too deeply. But also, I hope they keep the music, keep the soundtrack. Because that's the big thing. Yeah. You know. I wouldn't mind some original music as From well, the same if they... I was gonna say yeah, if they got the same artist on board, that would be nice. Maybe not an entirely new and original score, but a song or two, a new song or two, that would be excellent. So I think we're done here. Indeed, and we shall move on from news to community corner. We have some tweets. That I know yeah, of. Uh, I didn't think to check the mail. A lot of tweets. I Although we're recording I did check early. the mail. There wasn't anything there. Okay. Uh, well, outside of uh, Kyle uh, saying, uh, uh, I was very drunk when I recorded this. Here. <laughs> Here's the file. Yeah. Yes, we're still picking on him. <laughs> Good old Kylie Wiley. Uh, speaking of Kyle, he's in this probably about a dozen times. Uh, Kyle, the following tweet is comprised of the auto-fill-in predictions that my phone thinks is my normal tweet to you guys. Enjoy. Community service and board meeting at the bar at uh, the night. Before the night, we were uh, supposed to be at work at the night, and we will talk to him about dinner plans tonight with you guys, and we could talk tomorrow with him tomorrow, and we could do it tonight. I'm pretty sure he just created a pop song. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I actually read that correctly. Oh, autofill in or autocorrect. My phone likes to say fuck a lot for some reason. Don't know why. Yeah, I, I wonder why. Uh, but let's see. Uh, Kyle, once again, uh, uh, VGL community, Mel's and I are going to be getting snake number two, and I'm open to name suggestions. My suggestion is Doomful of Dwarfith? Bells. No, you're only allowed to name pixel animals. Uh, what, is he not allowed to name things with polygons? Is that too far uh, advanced for him? Probably. This is Kyle we're talking about here. Uh, 
Let's see. I did ask him about already having a noodle because he did mention uh, having uh, another one named Noodle. Uh, Kyle S. Noodle got evicted a few months ago, and the host of the BGL podcast have spoken. I can name pets. Perhaps uh, uh, Drug uh, would be a possible name. Then you came in, Slithero. Slithero, I like it. Just one more to make Mel's question my sanity. Uh, there's consonants in here that I don't even recognize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I thought of one after the fact. Uh, from ukulele. Trouser. Yep. Uh, trouser. Uh, look up ukulele trouser, by the way. And, and we'll wait here for that. Ukulele trouser. Did I type something in wrong? Oh, it's tre- Tio- <laughs> I see somebody found a picture. Oh. Do you wish to describe that's it? A, that's adorable. It's a snake uh, wearing a pair of trousers. But he like he goes through both legs with his his snaky body, and he has a tie on. He's got a tie, and a helmet, and a and a hat. He's so cute. <laughs> That's totally impractical though, as a as a snake. But it's cute. Well, there's a reason why he's just standing there. Does he does he not? I move? don't think he moves. He just appears in various levels. Granted, I have to admit. Uh, uh, Noodle uh, is uh, cuter, though. Noodle. But uh, far less uh, well-dressed. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I've scrolled too far on the Google image. You've gone too far. You've uh, dug too deep and too greedily. Yep, I've gone too far. That's enough internet for today. <laughs> I don't think I want to know. All right, uh, let me guess. Rule 34? Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 Vor Rule Thirty Four. Yeah. You, you, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, you, good you for know you, it's but bad. I'm, whenever Jared is creeped out, I'm not a big fan of Vor. Never have been. Anyway, I mean, I've I've watched some of it, uh, of course, mostly out of curiosity. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Oh, so uh, moving along. Oh, here's a cute one. Okay. <laughs> He's got a little heart, and he's smiling. Right, that that helps. Uh, the yes, Oswich. moving along. Uh, Kyle, I just realized that I'm channeling uh, Corvus and KSP. I barely had uh, the tech to get a craft uh, to a mun, uh, built a bare bones lander, and uh, set more expendable Kerbal Knots, and returned the Kerbal Knot home. Uh, take that, uh, KSA. Comrade Jeb is coming for you. <laughs> nice. Kyle, once again, must be drunk. And it's just uh, drunk tweeting us. Well, it's official. Mel's and I are moving. Uh, here's to hoping that we could uh, get really good internet in our new home. Mel's. Yay. So uh, we could peek at each other's screens in real time while playing Civ or Black Ops? Kyle, sarcasm. Yes, that's uh, the whole point of moving house. Screen look uh, at video games. Yep, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have about an acre of land, a garage, and a house, but screen looking. That's a kind of a combination between him responding to you and his tweet. And then I'll chime in. Mel's, 
Already talking about cheating? Shame. Mel's just in <laughs> Civ, probably. Mostly to make sure his deep state spies aren't uh, stealing my Sistine Chapel ceiling. And then Kyle tweets about uh, you know, him totally not having spies and you know, uh, be sure to have the spies come back home. <laughs> oh, Things are very lovely over at VGO Podcast on the Twitter. Or if you wish to Indeed. scare the moths, VGL Podcast at gmail.com. And just let me throw in there a hearty future nuptials for the two of you and congrats on getting a home. I can't remember if you told me you bought it or if you were renting it, but regardless. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. Being a homeowner is pretty cool. There's also a lot of bullshit that goes along with it, but it's pretty cool. You know what else is pretty cool? The doobly-doo. For the Discovery Q. And I got something interesting right away, and actually fairly fitting. Okay. Uh, Let me scroll up to the proper place. Scroll down to the proper place because I overshot it. House Flipper. Oh, I've seen that. That doesn't look good. It has a, a... I have a curiosity about it. It could uh, be either very good or very bad. It's about going into these rather crappy homes, fixing them up, and uh, reselling them on the market. And there's been some back and forth on just people talking about it. It, There's, I think there's going to be a certain subset that will really enjoy this. Uh, The type that liked uh, Versru Cleaner, where you're just cleaning up all the gore after this uh, terrible, terrible fight, or various things. Yeah. I think that's the type of people that would really like this. Or, you know, people that like the simulation style things, or really like these, you know, home flipper shows. So I definitely see the, you know, the appeal of it. It's just, you know, if it's any good or not. And it does have pretty high, uh, high ratings overall, with some people uh, talking about, you know, it being a little shallow overall, but for a game to just mess around with it could be fun maybe if I got it for free I'd play it but I don't think I'd buy it I got an interesting game that I don't know how I missed because it's almost a year old at this point but I love stuff like this Albion Online uh, fantasy MMO with extremely highly player driven content including economy classes combat um, you can build a house and a farm and do mining and well, other we things. we know why you're interested in it. It's, uh, it's a one-time purchase, it looks like. 20 bucks. It's been out for like a year. Premium. Ah, it's yeah. one of those things that does premium time. So you you buy the game. And then you, ha- and then you can... Yeah, it looks like it's a temporary premium as well. 60 additional days of premium status. Exclusive avatars and cosmetics. So, yeah. I'll look more into this and see how bullshitty it is, but I'm interested in the concept. Oh, wait. What's this? That's a mech Uh-oh. on the... Well, we, well we've lost him, so I'll, cont- uh, so I'll move on. Uh, you to ahead. Wizard of Legend. Rogue Light Wizard uh, Combat Game. Uh... Think sort of Binding of Isaac-esque uh, 
uh, or your typical roguelite with only with wizards and uh, magical nonsense. It looks actually fairly impressive on its pixel art. It's not an early access game either, so it's fully released. Which is actually a rarity for these, now that I think about it. How often do you see roguelites in uh, uh, early access? Uh, is that a trick question? I feel like I've seen tons of them in early access. Yeah, that's why I was saying, you know, how often do you see them in early access and not full release? All the time. So, yeah, that's actually very interesting that it's full release. Uh, looks like it's pretty hack and slash with uh, magical uh, uh, abilities as well. So, definitely one to check out. Fairly highly rated. Okay. So this is okay. So this is called oh. Melting World. Oh, I just came Online. across that. Okay, it looks like well, well, the, the, well, the, um, the first thing I see as I'm back, it's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it, this looks to be some and I just sort got of Elbion online as well. More heavily XCOM inspired, like classic XCOM inspired turn-based mech game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just says available Q2 2018. So that would be soon, unless they're going by fiscal quarter, in which case that would be in the fall, late summer, early fall. But there's not a ton of information here. But still, I'm interested. Very interested. I like things with mechs. I like things that are turn-based strategy games. You're the mech, baby. 2018. Something redeemable in this dark world. (laughs) Well, how could it be such a dark world when there's Little Witch Academia Chamber of Time on Steam? Oh my. This is a tie-in game to the anime Little Witch Academia, which actually has a very old art style to it. And it, for the most part, uh, actually looks quite a bit like the show. Which is rather impressive with some of the anime uh, uh, games coming out nowadays, how much they could mirror the look of the show. Alright. That yeah, it good. doesn't. Uh, it's not a bad looker. It, uh, Little Witch Academia is essentially Harry Potter Japanese style with uh, female protagonists, as you do yeah. in Japan. And it's actually a fairly good show overall. I just haven't sat down and watched all of it. And this looks like it's a pretty solid tie-in <laughs> to it. Um, I'm trying to find if this is just a JRPG or if it's more of a life sim. It looks like RPG elements with side-scrolling action allows fans to level up their characters and find drops to enhance builds while exploring. So, roguelite? It doesn't really cover what genre this is. And I hear you chuckling, so... Yeah, I found something cute. Machia Villain. Uh, Machia Villain is an evil mansion management and strategy game inspired by Dungeon Keeper, Prison Architect... And all of the horror movie cliches. Build your own manor, raise your monsters, set up so your traps, and exterminate your victims. But to gain reputation, you have to slay by the horror movie rules. It's a cute art style with like a really dark theme. I like it. Yeah, so this is sort of... Uh, I almost want to say like theme hospital slash evil genius. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that combination. Uh, so I got huh. one also. Uh, my queue's been pretty chock full of good things, even though you've stolen a couple of them. Uh, Forgotten Anne. 
uh, a very, very impressive looking 2D platformer. Uh, looks like puzzle platformer from the, the Steam tags. Where you're in this, looks like steampunk world? I mean, that is some impressive art on that. Take a look at that. Um, where yeah, everything is lost and forgotten. Made a link for it. Huh. Snake. I mean, that is some rather impressive looking art and looks like some uh, rather good cutscenes on it as well. I'm just trying to find any more information about this. Uh, uncover uh, forgotten mysteries and. Harness magical forces as you embark upon a quest to return home. Rather impressive looking. That's definitely one to pick up. Oh, it's published by Square Enix. I missed that. Huh. Well, good for them. They did something so, good. Yeah. I wonder how much of a mess the uh, the port is. <laughs> I guess we'll find oh, out. I just got Maki a, vill a villain. So I got another one that looks interesting, Slipstream. Uh, it's a racing game that is inspired by slash designed to look like arcade racing games from the uh, yeah, I saw that in the nineties. This looks really interesting. I was always a big fan of of this type of game, um, as long as it plays well. Yeah, yeah, it would racing be games. Interesting. Is, uh, racing games has really come along uh, throughout our lifetimes, huh? I was just thinking about that uh, the other day while playing Euro Truck, and I was just thinking about the difference between the extremely old DOS era test drive and Euro Truck, and just how it was essentially, you know, you know, just watching the movie play over the screen, and maybe some sound effects to full simulation. Yeah, but yeah, that that looked interesting. I'll, uh keep my eye on it. I got another live one. Let's see if I can get a key. A key mailer. I'm done with my queue. I just wrapped it up. I got Anne. Yeah, I got three um, more after this. Cubots the Origins. It looks like another uh, uh, adventure slash technically not, but platformer-esque game. Very interesting looking. It's a little hard to tell what this game actually is, though, just from the screenshots. Just taking a quick look at the trailer. It's like a sort of open world uh, uh, platformer, uh, puzzle platformer adventure game. With uh, rolling a block around uh, as the uh, uh, protagonist. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the puzzles in the uh, trailer and that is... Uh, uh, could possibly be a little finicky, but without the protagonist is a cube everything is very grid based so I, it could definitely work yeah it's only three bucks yeah, too a very cheap game okay moving along oh another very cheap game which i'll throw on because it looks interesting fantasy versus this is a 4v4 multiplayer battle arena thing looks almost uh, do uh, Dota-ish with some of the screenshots where you're having to protect towers but it's not listing MOBA as a genre it lists anime as a genre 
interesting looking. I've seen something like this before. Does it look like it has many reviews? This looks yeah, familiar. Many reviews. But yeah, that definitely looks MOBA-esque. Where you're having to attack various towers or if not MOBA, tower defense. But what well, looks like uh, attack different towers to gain territory in uh, 4v4 matchups. A uh, problem with this is, of course, yeah, getting the player base. It looks like they have yeah. uh, servers in the U.S., uh, Europe, and Japan. So, you know, if you're in Oceania, uh, oh, you're fucked. Or if you're anywhere away from Amsterdam, you're kind of fucked. Or in the western half of the U.S. You know, it's so tough to launch a multiplayer-focused game on Steam, particularly indie-only. And got another interesting one. Oh, what, why do I keep getting better cues than you? Because I've been through more games on Steam than uh, you have. T-E-S-T, or Test expe uh, Expected Behavior. Uh, 3D, uh, uh, Sci-Fi 3D Puzzle Quest. And this looks very, very Portal-esque. I think I have a demo for this, but I realized it was a demo, so I didn't uh, do it for our Sunday sampler. Where... Uh, yeah, this looks so Portal-esque. And we, we've seen close to Portal, but we haven't seen anything that's really, really been able to capture Portal. See, 119 levels, time manipulation, curved space. So they're definitely going uh, full hog here, huh? Sounds that way. Non-linear uh, level maps, so that could be interesting. Definitely something to look at. And my last one... Is also something that looks interesting. Oh. And it's not like I'm getting uh, old games in this. It's just... Are you sitting and doing cues all the time? No. Earthlock. I've seen Earthlock before. This is actually on my wish list. What's not on your wish list? Nah, lots of stuff. Uh, indie developed uh, adventure RPG inspired by classic 3D RPGs of the late 90s. So definitely some possibly dated uh, uh, game design, perhaps uh, based on that. But if they update it, it could be work. It could work. Very uh, bright uh, uh, screenshots, huh? Yeah, I like the yeah. art style too. I'm trying to put a finger. On it. it looks almost like an updated Final Fantasy VII on some of these angles. The yeah, old style. I, I mean, of Final it seems Fantasy. like that's what they're going for. Yeah, that's yeah, that's. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm. Uh, the vibe I'm getting with uh, these screenshots is old school Final Fantasy, you know, pre-rendered uh, background style Final Fantasy. Where, oh, and just looking at the battle system, that that looks like uh, I would say Final Fantasy ten esque uh, with the uh, uh, movement cue. Green uh, UI doesn't look uh, particularly great, but they may be hiding part of it. But yeah, that looks yeah. so like Final Fantasy VII, eight era, maybe nine. Well, I mean, it says you know inspired by the classic 3D RPGs of the late '90s, which would be Final Fantasy VII, eight, not nine. When did nine come uh, out? Two thousand one. Okay, yeah. So Final Fantasy eight, nine, that, those games. They probably don't specifically want to say Final Fantasy VII because of a, the cliche, but yeah. Yeah, Final Fantasy definitely follows its own little formula. 
but I, I, yeah. I would say it's probably the most well-known. It's definitely drawing inspiration from other things, I think. But yeah, I would say Final Fantasy is definitely the main ingredient in this uh, recipe. Which is fine. I enjoy me some Final Fantasy. At least the older ones. Yeah. Yeah. 15 probably, but I haven't played 15. Yeah, I have, I have 12 on disc, but I haven't played it yet. I keep meaning to go try it at some point, but 12 was developed whenever they were making the MMO, so it's very MMO-esque. Yeah. And, uh, is it 13? That's a hallway simulator, supposedly? Pretty much. I mean, it opens Eventually. up after, you know, a gazillion hours of playtime. Yeah, it gets better after the first anybody. disc. Oh, no. You have to get past the first disc and I think the second disc. I think on Xbox 360, it was four discs? Well, like four DVDs? It's three or four. And you had to get past the second one before the game actually opened up and quote-unquote got good. Yeah, which, there, uh, there were... yeah, that's the problem with uh, a JRPG having a slow start. I never got into Persona because a Persona has, what, a six-hour uh, prologue, essentially, before you really get into the story? It depends on which Persona oh, uh, game Persona that you play, but they do all have very or, long... Uh, the, the one on PlayStation 2, the last one. Uh, I think it's Persona 4, yes. because 5 is the recent one, isn't it? I think 4 was on PS3 and 5 was on PS4. It's so confusing. I don't know. I don't know enough about the series. But, yeah. I tried getting into one of the Persona games, and it just... it. Don't get me wrong, I like my visual novels, but I went into it expecting a JRPG. Uh, a JRPG life sim. So, sitting there, next, next, next. It probably would be a lot better now where I could just put it on the second screen and let it play for a while. <laughs> And then eventually, yeah. uh, oh, okay, I'll do something. Okay, put it back on uh, autoplay. I should probably do that. But yeah, that is my discovery queue. Uh, I got, what, half my the discovery queue on here? It would have been more if you didn't get two of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to get them before you get them all. <laughs> well, excuse See, me. See, that's the thing. I get good games, but you, you steal them all. Well, excuse me. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, then with both of our discovery <laughs> cues out of the way... Is that... That means it's time... Uh, sorry. I, what? Does that... Uh, okay. I, the typeface on that... Uh, I was still on the Steam store. I went back to the main uh, page and it's Beast Battles, but the typeface... Uh, it For a split second there, I thought it said Breast Battles. And I thought, what? Created <laughs> nice. with Steam these days? Not out of the question. Yeah, not out of the question. Anyways, where I was going was to the portion of the podcast where that I go first and tell you what's going on. Uh, I told you at the beginning of the show, I just started a new job and I'm adjusting my life. Um, also, YouTube, for some reason, spit back, uh, didn't accept my uploads of a couple of the Divinity episodes that we did. And I don't know what's up with that. And I, I just haven't re-rendered them to upload them, so... I've got episodes. Well, we know uh, like it's the not, last uh, quality of content because YouTube doesn't have a standard for that. I've got the last three episodes uploaded, um, but there's like three or four in the middle that aren't uploaded because for some reason 
YouTube constantly says failed. Like upload failed. Damn net neutrality. So, well, I don't know what's up with that. I gotta I gotta work on fixing that. But whenever I get it, whatever it is figured out, I'll uh post all of the ones up to where we are and then schedule the other ones well, appropriately. Uh, but I'm not doing anything with them until I get it yeah, worked out. Like I will just be releasing all of them over the course of a couple of days because it ends this week, I believe. Sweet. Well, that's how I roll. Um, but other than that, I'm not up to much. Uh, just getting, like I said, adjusted to all the changes in my life. So, if you want to go see the things that I have posted on YouTube, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on the YouTubes. If you want to see live airings of the podcast on Twitch, along with a few other things that I post there using Wait, we're live their now? premiere system... Well, yeah, we're live right now. Uh, are are you using live and massive sarcasm quotes? Yes. And. and. Uh, but you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where I tweet about all sorts of things, you can do so at jma4707 on Twitter. And if you want to be my friend on Steam and just chat about things in life and video games, or if you ever feel like you just need somebody to talk to, you can do so by sending me a friend request. My Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests, uh, and they've all been from lovely, lovely people who are listeners of the show. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is abomination. Abomination. Nice. And that's a, a great shout out to you know those chuckle fucks. Nice. Uh, so, my channel. Uh, my channel is going to be very sparse over the next few weeks. I am moving house. And the original plan was to build up a backlog of my content to, you know, have it kind of coast along. But two series ended in the same damn week. And in order to replace them, it would be a huge scramble. So, the plan right now is I have RimWorld in backlog for the next couple weeks. I'm going to do one more recording uh, to get another week or so to be able to get a little bit more breathing room. And it's going to be pretty much RimWorld two nights a week with one more Sunday sampler, then a Hopefully just one week of silence, then we'll pick back up. At least that's the game plan right now. So if anybody wants to get me a housewarming gift, uh, feel free. <laughs> oh, But yeah, that kind of knew this was coming, but the actual moving day was uh, rather sudden. So yeah. Didn't plan it out nearly as well as I'd hoped just because I was planning on content to continue on. But to be fair, Divinity kind of uh, was winding down anyway, and it's we could replace it with something else, but it's a scramble to do so and get enough content done. And especially, well, Jared was also going to have issues this week, possibly. And it wasn't going to work out well. And, you know, trying to scramble for the other series, it just didn't make sense. So, a little bit off time for me. Maybe. 
I am going to work on some other things off uh, uh, channel, though. So I'm not going to be completely lazy. Most likely. Maybe. Well, if you wish to see the RimWorld content that I have backed up, uh, you can do so. Uh, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or you can see me tweet on Twitter as I'm probably going to be very bored uh, setting up house. Uh, Gaming with a C-R. And if you wish to contact the show, once again, that is vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or just tweet us vglpodcast on the Twitter. If you wish to pay for this absolute madness of a podcast, you do so. Patreon.com slash vglpodcast, which has helped pay for our Podbean account. vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed, the show notes, or you can just go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever Jared shoved us. Which we are now getting a letter from Morality and Media saying, don't put us there anymore. They'll live. <laughs> At least with that attitude, right? Or probably yep. not with that attitude if they're in the wrong place. Can, can you imagine <laughs> them in an anime convention? Uh, and we're nope. in our post-outro uh, uh, babble, so we can't do that yet. Because I haven't say our, I said our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod and Doobly Doo is our discovery key music by the same artist. His work can be found at incompetech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye. So should we ship them to an anime convention? Bye-bye. Uh... <laughs>